fucking, I love his stand up. He's fucking hilarious. And, uh, yeah, so that's one to, uh, mark off the list of people I absolutely need to see. Yeah. Um, so cool. But anyway, uh, you ready to do this? Yeah. All right. Uh, hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that is continuing to stick with this bit. I am Max. And I'm JR. How's it How, going? Uh, it goes, uh, not a lot this week. Actually at all. Nothing to report, happily. Well, you know, no news is good and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no news is also not news. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. And yourself? Uh, Friday was Momo's birthday. You knew Hur- that. Hooray. But, yeah. She's six, which is weird. Uh, but, yeah. Soon she'll be able to drive and tell you to go fuck yourself. Oh, she already does that. <laughs> I, you know what? We, we, when we got home yesterday from her birthday party, she, uh, my in-laws brought over all her presents because once we were done in the party room at the venue, we moved out to a table. You know, yeah. I'm saying this for the reader's yeah. benefit. Yes. My in-laws brought all, took all her parents or took all her presents out to their car. And so when we left and came home, they were dropping those off. And also they were going to take her to the Disney store because dress, itchy, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and so my father-in-law has been having problems with his knees. He actually just had to get like a gel injected into his knees uh, because they were, they're bad. Like yeah. he was, he was falling and like unable to walk. Uh, because they were in so much pain. And so my plan had been that I was going to, Casey and I would carry in the presents and then I'd have Moira come in to get this dress that needed to be returned and exchanged and everything. And so I'm like, Moira, you know, Moira is getting ready to go from our car to my parents in the parent, my in-laws car, whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, Moira, can you come inside for a second? Uh, I need you to come get the Elsa dress. And she's like, you've got legs too. (laughs) And it's just like, all right, look, (laughs) like, yeah, fuck you, kid. (laughs) New rule. No. Yeah. I was, I stood there and just stared at her and she's like, what? It's true. And I'm like. The truth of it is not the issue. Like, <laughs> you weren't just stating a fact. <laughs> that was not, that was not, you know, peanuts are legumes or anything yeah. like that. That was, go fuck yourself, old man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> fuck you, kid. Anyway, happy birthday, Moira. Yay. Uh, news. News. Uh, there's quite a bit coming out of NYCC. Yeah, um, have you noticed recently that I and maybe it's been this way for quite a while, but it feels like New York City is where you actually do comics news. Like SDCC is to be a lot more split between the two. Like 
There's a better split. There's a more yeah. representative split. Yeah. Right. Come a, San Diego used to be the place where all that shit was announced. Yeah. And now it's like San Diego seems to be part comics news, part movie news. And then NYCC seems to be where they've moved a lot of it. So, yeah. uh, but whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, number one, uh, new Wolverine series coming. Uh, sure. Wolverine has not been in a solo series for a bit. Uh, of course, he just came back from the dead. So, you know. But as part of the second wave of comics in the uh, post-House of X situation, which House of X number six was fucking... All right. Um, but <laughs> I just love that Nightcrawler is just like... We need to get to fucking, <laughs> like, whatever. Anyway, but yeah, he's going to have a series coming out of that. The reason I'm kind of excited about this, um, it's to be written by uh, Benjamin Percy, who did Green Arrow and Teen Titans. And the art is apparently going to be split, I don't know in what way, between Adam Kubert and Victor Victor Bogdanovich. And I love the Cuberts. Like, oh, yeah. I love their artwork. Um, always have. All the Cuberts. Yeah. Um, but especially, like I said, you know, when I was when I was a little kid, I just read comics. I was just like, eh, whatever. Right. But like in the 90s, I started to become aware of who was actually writing and drawing the stuff I liked. And... That was when I be, really became aware of Adam and Andy Kubert, and I'm just like, these guys are really good. But anyway, uh, so there's that. Um, they also announced a slate of new, I believe they're one-shots, uh, that are part of their The End line. Uh, if you're somewhat new to Marvel... In the 2000s, there was a series of one-shots and mini-series um, that were kind of the last story of a character. Um, there was the Hulk, the end, where it was just an aging Hulk with, like, a camera. There's a camera that's been sent by aliens to follow him around because he's all that's left on Earth. Oh, wow. It's just him. And uh, so it's him, like, being alone, finally having the solitude that he claimed he always wanted and, you know, raging at this camera and stuff like that. They did The Punisher. They did Fantastic Four. Uh, they did X-Men. The X-Men one was the most bloated because it was three six-issue miniseries that uh. were written by Chris Claremont. And it was just... It proves yet again that there is nothing Chris Claremont can write that he cannot drive into the fucking ground at this point. Um, but yeah, it was just... It was insane. And it was just like all of these plot threads from his return to X-Men at one point... That he's just like, 
Might as well pick this up again. Hey, remember when uh, when Bishop and Warbird of the Shi'ar had a relationship? Well, it turns out they had a daughter, and here she is, and here's all of this other... It's literally like um, the last story involving every X-Man ever. That's um, too many X-Men. Yeah, it is. I mean, like... If you want to do that, like, you've got to focus on a core fucking group. But Chris Claremont was just like, let's bring back people that you don't even remember. Hey, remember this guy? He appeared in a single issue back in 1987. Guess what? He's here. Like, (laughs) dude, chill. Um, But generally speaking, I really liked them. And so they've announced a series of the end books with... Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Miles Morales, Captain America, Deadpool, and Venom. So, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on alternate timelines and alternate futures, so I love these things. Yeah. Even at their shittiest. But, yeah. Uh, Thor, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy are all being relaunched in 2020. And of course, Iron Man's going to have something going with Arno Stark. Oh yeah. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Well, yeah. 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 Um, And they're going to, as we said last week, they're doing a series of variants, uh, that range from really interesting to Electro with gears around her shoulders and waist. Um, oh yeah, you know, sure. No, nope. not. <laughs> no, nope, uh, that's real dumb. They're going to do a series of 2099 variants. Um, that I'm okay with. I, I like 2099, so I am, I am okay with revisiting it. Um, you know, looking at 2099 with like, you know, 20 years hence or whatever, more than that. I guess, but like, it is no, interesting. It's twenty, it's twenty, because it was supposed to be like it was like around ninety nine that they did it. Okay, um, but it's like it's it's it nice nineties to take yeah. that sort of uh, I don't know cynical ish look at the future uh, yeah. that twenty ninety nine was and. Not, I don't know, re, not reimagine's not the right word, but reinterpret how, you know, just looking at that through this lens now, 20 years later, is interesting. I don't know. Yeah. There's a, there's a thought there, but I have not baked it at all. I so. was always, I was always kind of a fan of Ghost Rider 2099. Not just, read... not just because it had Chris Boccolo art. And Chris uh... Boccolo is one of those artists that I'm just like, I like everything you do, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also because it was it was kind of it was kind of interesting because it was it was this hacker type dude who wound up ostensibly being killed, but his mind wound up uploaded into this robotic body, and that's the Ghost Rider. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, 
I'm not saying it always worked, but I don't think any of the 2099 stuff worked 100% of the time. Oh, no. But, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. So, yay, 2099. Uh, Warhammer. Marvel has teamed up with Games Workshop to produce Warhammer comics. And... Cool. Like... I, never... Yeah, I don't have anything for that other than there's a lot there. Yeah. Uh, like, that's the that's the thing about Warhammer has so much lore. Just, there's so much there that I, when my brother and I started playing Vermintide, I was like, you know, completely unfamiliar with what Warhammer was. And I was like, so what's going on? What are we doing here? What's the story? And he was like, okay, uh, for your sake, we're, we're smashing rat men. And I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, you're, we're smashing rat men. Cause we don't have the goddamn time for me to explain anything else. And I was like, why? And he's like, Max, there's so much lore. It's, there's too many, there's, okay, first, do you want to know about the schism between the rat people and the other rat people? And I was like, no, I do not. Let's move. Um, it's, there's just layer upon layer on layer. So like, yeah, if they want to do this, go for it. Um, it would be nice to have some of that codified, I guess, because it feels like once you start working if you're like i want to research the warhammer lore it, that's the wild fucking west you don't know what anything it's half of it could be fan fiction you don't know yeah. uh so like this is marvel there's an air of like officiality with this whether or not that's true yeah right whether or not that's true it's there and um that would be that would be nice to be like able to point to a thing and be like at least this i understand right uh yeah so good for them uh games workshop keeps making money okay yep well i mean that's what businesses are supposed to do right so yep fuck it uh and the last thing i do want to touch on this we don't have to get really in depth with it um Scorsese and his comments on the MCU. I get so tired of constantly having to talk about MCU news because that's not what this show is, but I feel like we can't not mention it when there's news about it. Well, yeah. Uh, and frankly, so the short version for me is Martin Scorsese can like or dislike whatever he wants. Uh, when... When it comes to his specific comics, or comics, comments, uh, I think he's wrong. I think that, first of all, his definition of cinema is elitist. And uh, I've always thought that. I've, I've always thought that when you, when you try to say um, the definition of cinema is, in, is incumbent upon artistic merit... That's an elitist stance. Cinema is cinema. Well, then, and, yeah, that's way too subjective as well. Right. Like, because one man's cinema is another man's garbage. Because right? And, I mean, you get if you get six film students 
who have moved beyond, who have gotten past the point of just regurgitating um, what their professors tell them, who actually have their own opinions on things. And you ask them about a movie, you will have six different opinions. Right. Um, so that's that part. And then the other part is the the statement about um, they're not trying to do anything emotional or psychological with the characters, which no, because yeah, you can you can say you can say I don't connect with them emotionally, and that's a valid viewpoint. That's fine. I get that. You can say. I don't think that they were successful in what they were trying to do. But to say that they've been not been trying to do that is patently untrue. Right. You know, and so try yeah. That's my that's my opinion. Scorsese can say whatever the fuck he wants and certainly like his his comments are not going to hurt his career. His comments are not going to hurt the MCU, so it doesn't particularly matter. Right. But like at least at least make it sound like this is this is my take on things not this is categorically the way it is because it's not like no. you you are like don't get me wrong i'm not saying that scorsese doesn't have valid opinions on on film but like by the same token like there's still opinions yeah. So he is not reporting it as rote, I suppose, is this is now fact because Scorsese said it. That's not that's not well, a good way to good way to be. My thing was like listening to to it or reading the comments that he made was okay, this is more old man yells at clouds because he's just it seems a little salty more than anything else because I'm like, I sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, I get it, man. Uh, there is, there are parts of me that are a little upset that we've essentially destroyed film. You know, the filmmaking industry is not what it was anymore for a lot of factors, a lot of Disney related factors, but a lot of factors and like but this is where we are now please live inside this system or make your own well and and that's and that's the thing is that i i hate the idea that that blank is killing film oh yeah because look look like i got into it with this dude on twitter about this the film industry has changed numerous times. Yeah. Um, Scorsese was a part of that. And, right. like, saying the film industry is not was it what it was in 1975 or in this year or this year. Okay, but that's not... That's not the death of the film industry. Am I worried about Disney having more and more of a monopoly on Hollywood? Sure. But movies are always... As long as cameras exist and people want to tell stories, film will exist. Right. There will always be that. And yeah, you know, 
the 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 industry has gone through massive paradigm shifts whether it was the death of the studio system or the rise of the auteur or what have you any industry any artistic medium that's around for any length of time goes through changes oh, yeah. and i don't th- for one thing the rise of the superhero film i think is the same as like movie musicals well, it's just movie musicals and and uh, westerns and westerns and uh, like it's gonna be you know nineteen what was that it's like nineteen fifty eight to sixty four I don't know something like that it's probably longer but like all, all the movies were westerns like everything yeah. was a western because yeah. they just made a shitload of money so and they were really cheap and easy to make so you just did it. Um, and you can you can tell me you can tell me oh well that's different because the reasons that they made them were different no they weren't it was money if you if you look at <laughs> if you look at if you look at take singing in the rain singing in the rain is a classic okay you know why singing in the rain was made a songwriter became an executive and told his people i want you to hack out a movie that a movie musical using my music that was it there was yeah. no there was no artistic need to make that movie it was an executive said make this use this done and they made singing in the rain and i'm not saying singing in the rain is bad because of that i'm saying the the impetus of we want to make as much movie money as possible isn't new and no. it's not limited to superhero movies or Star Wars or anything else. Right. I mean, you look at look at Scorsese's own uh, own body work. of work. Yeah. The first of all, the studios allow Scorsese to keep making films for them because they make money. Yeah. If they didn't make money. He'd be off trying to finance him by himself. And second of all, the movie is out for two things in any given situation. Money or prestige. And Scorsese is a prestige machine. You know, you look at you look at how much it costs to win an Oscar, which is to say in campaigning, yeah. it costs on average eighty million dollars in campaigning to win an Oscar. Studios don't do that because they believe in the product or because uh or because they just love the movie so much. They do it because it looks good for them and that then allows them to make more money. Yeah. It's that simple. You know, every director or every director who wins an Oscar then gets to be referred to in every following movie as Academy Award winning director, blah, and that guarantees more butts in seats. Yeah. And that's the only reason they give a shit. And that's fine. But like, whatever. It's like, art is art. You can talk about whether or not it's good or it's bad, but it's art. Yeah, and success like whether or not it's successful at what it's trying to do, but it's right. still art. You so know. yeah, I mean you're right. Like 
Disney's going to try to ride this superhero train for as absolutely long as they possibly can. And at some point, that the juice is going to run out. But yeah. it's, it fine. is what it is. You know, whatever. It's, like I said, you know, there's always going to be a young people out there that are just like, I want to make movies. And they're going to pull a Kevin Smith and max out their credit cards and make movies. You know, are you, are you necessarily going to be able to go to any chain theater and see something that's not a superhero movie? I don't know. But by the same token, chain theaters kind of suck. So (laughs) the only reason to go to them is for big blockbuster movies. Like I would much rather go to a, smaller theater and i realize that's not an option for everyone i'm just saying like you know chain theaters blow i hate amc i hate amc so much it's a pain in the ass but you know i put up with it because it's there and but the fact of the matter is there's always going to be movies there's always going to be people who want to get together to see movies and if the big chain theaters are only ever showing big blockbusters then even the small towns are going to develop individual theaters again to show something else because there will be a market for them again you know yeah but whatever whatever like i said either way objectively saying this is this, and they did not try, is just wrong. Like, I don't care if you like the MCU. I'll freely talk about what's wrong with those movies. It's basic... Criticizing stuff is basically the only way I can get off at this point. But still, like... Come on. Anyway. It's a... You know, it's like the it's like the thing... I, I knew a guy... I knew a guy who was a film student that my my biggest complaint when it comes to art is when somebody says I didn't like blank and they say and somebody responds with well obviously you didn't understand it. What? I knew a guy who was a film student who tried to pull that shit with me with V for Vendetta of all goddamn things. What? V for Vendetta. He tried to be like, oh, well, you just didn't understand. It's about Bush. Oh, really? I had no idea. Maybe they could have hammered that a little harder. Yeah. Anyway, comics. Comics. Uh, Marvel Presents number four is uh, written by Steve Gerber, penciled by Al Milgram. Uh, inked by Al Milgram, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, we have a real Steve Gerber heavy week this week, and I like Steve Gerber. Some on of certain it's good, things, and some of it's just like what, what? The thing that the thing that bugs me is. I like Steve Gerber in the context of things like Man, uh, Man Thing and uh, and uh, 
Howard the Duck, and what have you. Things that are a little more off the beaten track, because that's where he shines. Um, and we can get into this further on down the line, but I don't think when you when you put him on a straight hero book, he does as well. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the Guardians are on Yondu's planet, and Yondu this week is just... I am not even of native descent, and I'm offended by this shit. Um, But he does some ritual, and uh, it it somehow indicates that uh, they're not supposed to abandon their quest, which... Cool. Which they weren't Um, really going to abandon anyway, because Starhawk was going to bully them into doing it anyway always yeah because starhawk is a dick yeah um forever and always which at least we know that that never changes um of course the guardians in general i mean the guardians has larger than their fair share of dicks but um yeah because i don't remember vance being this big of an asshole either yeah he really is a prick this week holy shit a whole time where i'm just like dude quit quit it like just quit it um he's he's shitty to yondu he's shitty to starhawk which whatever it's starhawk uh he's shitty to like he's shitty in all directions yeah and it's annoying to He's shitty to Charlie constantly because Charlie's the second smartest one on the ship and mm-hmm. Vance doesn't like that. Um, he's shitty to Martin X because, like, he's the last person, so he has to be shitty to him too. Like, lit- really, it doesn't feel like there's any reason for him to be a dick to Martin X, but he still does it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they go back to the ship... And they're on their way, except that, yeah, Vance is having a pity party. So he decides to go. And his his pity party is so fucking annoying. Like, look, if you are the last person from your time period around, that blows. But it's a, in his case, it's something he chose to do. Yeah. it's not. It's not like he was stuck in a time rift. And like, or whatever, it was, he signed up to be the dude to travel to Alpha Centauri. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't forced on him that I know of. No, he, he picked it. It just, the thing that sucked is by the time he got to Alpha Centauri, we'd already figured out how to get there before him. So that's what he was pissed about. And that blows, but that's just the natural progression of technology, man. Like, that's not anybody's fault and yeah it sucks that you're the last dude from your time period but you knew you were going to be yeah you knew even if even if you got there and no one was there (laughs) there was still no one gonna that was gonna be around that was just like man this is just like when the dodgers oh wait nobody okay um but whatever so they go back to the ship and vance decides to go to his quarters and mope when starhawk comes in and he's just like hey so um this is what you always wanted 
why are you so angry? And so Vance responds by blasting him, which causes him to have a brief... He sees Alita for a yeah. second. Um, and he's like, whoa, what the fuck was that? And Starhawk is like, that's none of your goddamn business. And so Starhawk storms off and everything. And Vance is like, oh, we're going to find out what this is about. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I am definitely making that my business. That's yeah. too goddamn weird. And she was hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so we go... Nikki shows up. Like, the, the the long story short is we finally get Nikki because I'm assuming everyone was like, like you said, uh, this book's a bit of a sausage party, guys. Yeah. Um, and then they proceed to immediately male gaze the shit out of Nikki because, yeah. well, huh. even though legal. her back, <laughs> even, uh, even though her backstory is horrific. Yeah. Like... She watched her planet get murdered by the Badoon, managed to escape. She's pretty sure she's the only one from the Mercury Colony still left, still alive. Uh, after she escaped, her ship died. Like, her ship began to die because it was not meant for interplanetary travel. It was a jump ship. Uh, she happens upon a another already dead ship. That had died because the air ran out. Uh, so she just scrounged everything out of that and then lived for another, what, she said she, it was seven, seven years? years that, since she left Mercury. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and that's all before we get her name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we established that she keeps... She kept ha happening across dead worlds. And Starhawk is like, did you notice an odor? And she's like, yeah, actually. Like, there was a weird smell. Yeah. And Starhawk is like, oh, well, this is part of uh, what we're going to the Galactic Center to investigate. And so we find out that the big bad in all of this is ostensibly this weird sort of null energy creature um, that is traveling around feeding on the energy of different worlds. Um, and in the course of things, Yondu names it, um, saying that his people had a... Um, had a legend warning of its coming. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to find what he, what he called it. I don't remember yeah, either. It's Katanaba or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, so there are not, it's Karanada. Karanada. Um, but we do right after a, the, the yeah. briefing, we get the, we get a, this spot back on Starhawk's pastoral asteroid where these the three kids are hanging out and then all of a sudden a giant shadow comes over the land um, so they run to their computer just like Starhawk had done before 
call up the vision of this woman uh, who essentially gives them a good pat on the head and sends them to bed. Yeah. At which point... Yeah. At which <laughs> point... weird. At which point we cut back to uh, the Captain America where uh, Starhawk's like, uh, hold on. Uh, the food pace is coming back up. I gotta... Peace. I'll be right back. Or I gotta go lay down. He goes into his room uh, and switches into a letter. And... At that point, Vance, having absolutely no regard for ship security, wanders into Starwalk's room, sees Aletta, and goes, Holy shit! Hi! Like, it's not. A, it's a day for you... finding women. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, it's a day for finding. But how did. Not, how did you get in here? Or, who are you? It's. Right. Nothing. He, he just stands there while she's like, hey, I need you to get a message to Starhawk for me. Tell him the children are in danger and he must come at once. And he, Vance is like, Ch- children? He's like, okay. He goes, should I tell him who gave me this message? And she's like, nah, he'll know. And then she walks out of the room and Vance is just like, well, what? Hey, what do you? Where are you? Go- and then Starhawk walks in. And then Starhawk walks back in. Actually, she may have just walked into a closet. Um, Starhawk walks back in and is like, "Hey, you got a messenger, and I want to know where you're hiding the lady." And Starhawk's like, "Shut up! You have a message for me." He's like, "Yeah." yeah the in good. I love that he's like he knows that children are ostensibly in danger. And he's like, we'll get to that. First, I want to have a talk about vaginas. And, like, it's just like, children are dying, dude. (laughs) You were just told by a strange woman who should not be on the ship. Again, ship security, you ass. Yeah. But, like... You were just told by a strange woman that children are in danger, and you're like, no, 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 my thing first. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't even get to his thing or the children thing, because the they ran into the, the planet-eating motherfucker. Like, right. the null space is outside, and Starhawk's like, okay, cool, I don't need air to live. So it stands to reason that I don't need a lot of, like, anything else. So I'm just going to tether myself to the ship and jump out with a bi-quarter and, uh, you know, go see what this thing is. And is promptly eaten. Yeah. Um, And it's here where Yandu talks about the Karanada, the emptiness that devours. Yeah. Yeah. and that's literally what happens to Starhawk, is that, like, everything seems to stop when this thing, it's not just, like, this thing not only sucks out the energy of living things, but seems to suck out the energy of, like, the atoms themselves, or whatever, because it touches, um, it touches... Starhawk, and he, even though they're in the vacuum of space and therefore it's cold, 
he begins to ice up. Like even 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 like atomic motion is stopped here, but whatever. Uh so it absorbs him and eats him. And they're just like, oh shit, we gotta do something. At which point the Karanada attacks them and systems on the ship just start shutting down in a cascade failure. Um, so they start trying to like isolate the parts that aren't working, but yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, yeah, they're basically ripping parts of the ship out to try and excise the parts that are dying. Yeah. Like, like, and, yeah. Uh, so, but they're, they're, they managed to survive the, the encounter, but it's just like, yeah, so, uh, Starhawk seems to be dead and, uh, we're in really bad shape. So what are we going to do? And, uh, so that brings us to Marvel presents number five, which is inked by Howard Chaikin and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Uh, as I told you, this this issue remind, or puts me in mind of Hemingway in that I also want to put a shotgun in my mouth. Uh, it, it is the worst. I hate, I hate the parallel evolution stories in science fiction because parallel evolution is one thing, but literally copy-pasting Earth society to somewhere else is stupid as fuck and i hate i hate it and the fact that we have to take time out of a story to do this is really annoying and it's not even it's not even a really good one because literally like here's here is the entire here is the reader's digest version they beam down to a planet to get parts for the ship a transistor a transistor they they arrive on this planet and it is similar to um it is similar to then current day new york um and which is to say that they've got a times square and it's full of porno theaters too and they taught the a dude pops up and uh, that's like, they're like, oh yeah, that's our president and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's stupid as hell. But the, uh, the upshot of all of this is they are whisked away by mysterious people. And it turns out that the entire planet is a planet wide asylum. And that this is the, this is the society crazy people will set up when left to their own devices did you see what we did there? Yes, Marvel Boo. presents. Because we're saying that our society... No, I get it. Just fucking Steve, shut up. Steve, I got it. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Um, the thing... The the one redeeming like scene from this... Or maybe not redeeming, but it's one scene that I liked. Because I actually like your 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 run up there. I don't want to go through this beat by beat, but there yeah. is one uh, that. So after they get to the street, they find out they need a transistor, so they go looking. So they split up, and Vance is like, 
Yandu, you're with me. I need to keep an eye because I because ke- I need to keep an eye on you. And Yandu's like, fine. Like he doesn't. He's like, I think you're being a dick, but fine. Uh, and he's like, okay, cool. So they go find a Yandu hobby has shop. Way more patience for Astro's bullshit than I ever would. Oh no. Uh, so they go to a hobby shop and they walk in and the guy's like, hey, yeah, I got what you need. Uh, the guy behind the counter is like, hey, I got you what you need. But, uh, yeah, that get up don't look like it carries money. And Astro's like, right. So how about barter? And dude's like, well, I don't know. What do you got? And he kind of looks around and he just takes one of Yondu's arrows and is like, and Yandu's like, hey, and he's like, just one, just one. You got so many, just one. And he's like, hey, no, hey. And he's like, you got, okay, it'll be fine. And he just turns around and he gives the guy the arrow in exchange for the transistor. And so they're walking out. And Yandu's like, you know, you shouldn't, you can't just do that, right? And he's like, yeah, but I did, now we're going, and now we're leaving. And Yandu's like, okay, and he calls the arrow back to himself. And now they're on the run. And it's like, yeah, because you're a dick. Like, yeah, like it It would not have taken... All he had to do was just be like, pardon me for one moment, take Yondu aside and be like, look, I know, but the fact of the matter is, if we have to go back to Alpha Centauri and get some more of that ore so you can make another arrow, that's what we'll do, but we can't do any of that or anything else until we fix our ship yeah this is a matter of survival please yeah that's fine the the please alone would have probably gone a lot further because that's what he he ends up saying is just you shouldn't fucking be a dick like that man yeah like where have you been that this is okay uh yondu's the only one Yondu and Charlie are the only ones that I, like, respect this week. Yeah, Martin X is kind of a non-entity in a lot of the reading from this book this week. Um, Charlie, Charlie generally, I'm kind of coming to like Charlie because he, you know, he's, he's big and burly, so you expect him to be stupid, but he's not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he does, he... Gets into scrapes, but it's usually, like, someone else is being a dick, and so Charlie's just like, uh-uh, no. Um, but anyway, the like I said, the upshot of all of this is, it's a planet-wide asylum. <sighs> Who cares? Yep. Um, but yeah, so that brings us to Marvel Presents number 7, which is inked by Bob Wachek. Colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Um, is that right? Six. Did I, we just did five? Did I say seven? My bad. Yes. I was looking at the wrong thing. I am terribly sorry. Marvel presents number six is inked by Terry Austin, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe. Uh, this is a perfect example of never trust the cover. Because it shows a weird, wibbly Charlie 27 beating the shit out of the Guardians. And that is very much not what happens at all. Yeah, I don't even remember looking at this cover. Yeah. Any more 
a lot of these 70s covers I just blow by because I'm like, unless it's Spider-Man and it's usually pretty good, but like the covers have nothing to do with the story. So I'm, and I'm, that's what I'm here for to get. Yeah. Through. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and look, I'm okay with a cover like cheekily obfuscating what happens mm. in the issue, like being like, uh Oh, these two characters are going to come into conflict, but they don't really, they're just kind of like, Hey, who are you? And it's like, Hey, who are you? Well, I'm Spider-Man. Oh, well I'm so-and-so. All right. <laughs> like, cool. That's oh. the sum total of it. But you know, I get that. I get that the covers exist in a sort of heightened reality, but this literally bears no relation to anything uh, the the Guardians are back aboard the now functioning Captain America and they follow the Karanaba and watch as he destroys a planet. Um, and Nikki's like, we can't just sit here and watch as all of these people are wiped out. And they're like, we need to because the only hope we have of defeating this thing is to learn more about it. The only way to learn more about it is to observe it. And she's like, no. And so she goes and she attacks the thing. Yeah, which she drives the I'm ship. With, I'm with Nikki on this. I'm wholeheartedly, like, even even ignoring the fact that her she had to watch her entire planet be murdered. Like, sitting by and watching as... as uh, as a planet dies is not exactly guarding anything, but right. So she flies the captain America at the thing and they are, they are then eaten by it and they crash land in a desert. Um, so they decide they, the ship is ostensibly relatively unharmed. It's not like before where it was just like, you know, a cascade failure. Um, Vance has Vance in the course of this shit kind of has a bit of a breakdown. I'm not really sure what's going on here other than, but he starts like laughing and making fun of everyone around him instead of just being a dick. Um, and like picks up Nikki and is kind of like manhandling her. And Charlie 27 comes in and is like, uh, take your hands off of her or I yeah. will kill you and use your fancy tin suit to make a baked potato asshole. And he's just like, whatever, you can take her, fat boy, and all of this stuff. And it's just like, all right, can you just go back to being pissy? Like, yeah, do we have to do this? Um, so, so he... Yeah, he gives Nikki back to him. They both leave and then, like, he turns around and, like, yes, he's having... He's having a full-on breakdown. Uh, the others, the Yondu, Charlie, Martin X, and Nikki all go outside and are like, so, yep, it's a desert, uh, but but I'm getting some readings. Uh, yeah. And they're coming from that direction. Let's, let's take off. And they're like, should we... Okay, <laughs> I think it's Nikki. Yeah, she's like, uh, are we sure we want to leave the... The possibly 
the 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 asshole having a possible mental breakdown alone in the ship and they're like eh he's a big boy he could take care of himself and it's like sure sure that's that's fine um meanwhile vance is like i meant to start journaling i'm gonna go ahead and start doing that now which yep you're having a mental breakdown no one actually starts journaling um but well to people talk about journaling no one actually starts doing to be fair to be fair either they're already journaling or he sits down he does he does exactly what most people who say they're gonna start journaling do which is to sit down and be like all right what do i want to write and then get distracted by something else but in his case it's a tiny version of the Karanata, who yeah. uh is trying to i don't know eat into his suit well it's like he's like ow what is that something's like hurting me and to get through the suit it's got to be a pretty big deal and he looks down and this thing's like climbing his leg um <laughs> yeah we we switch to uh the other guardians who find this random like Bedouin camp and uh, they talk to the they talk to the people and they're just like fuck you <laughs> one of them tries to <laughs> tries to straight up brain Martin X but his sword breaks on Martin X's head and they start attacking um well and you know, like the guardians, the guardians are are wreck and shop, and that's cool and all. But uh, finally, like one of a they they surrender, and this guy takes him takes them into his tent, where there's like all kinds of servant girls and blah blah blah, and he's like, uh, everything you see, my food, my jewels, my wine, all are yours for the taking. And Nikki says, no sons, huh? And he's like, I have but one. Haji, come, greet our guests. And Haji is fucking Starhawk. And, uh, whatever. <laughs> and I have to imagine that everyone, like, all of our heroes go, oh, yay, <laughs> you're still alive. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... So, uh, we switch back to Vance, who, this thing has swollen in size um because it is actively feeding on him he he tries to fight back and in doing so blasts it with uh his psychokinetic powers and seemingly kills it um he takes it and puts it under a trispectroscope uh and tries to study it and what he discovers is that this thing this thing while it is uh energy based it's all it's it's coalesced around a um a mode of dust like a like a pearl um and he's like oh shit like you know okay this is this is something this is something to work with 
Uh, but then there's an earthquake. Um, and everybody's reacting to it. Uh, even the guardians who are on a completely different part of the planet or whatever. Um, but they get in contact with each other and, uh, and, uh, Charlie 27 says that Starhawk says to start the engines. So Astro does. He fly, he basically, it drives the ship further into the sand and it proceeds to like burrow through and come out the other side. And it's then that we actually see what they've landed on, which is a, basically a big, semi-human form made out of dirt and um different biomes yeah different topographies he's the what do they end up calling him topographical man yeah and he oh shit cool um so the starhawk and those guys get some conveyance from the people they were with and they're they're on their way i don't remember they they've got a destination to the mountains but again yeah Starhawk's Starhawk being, is like we need to go to the mountains and, and people are like hey cool but why and he's like i am the one who knows <laughs> and he flies away yeah and yeah we know you're the one who knows that's why we keep asking you why um yeah. And but back on the ship, Astro's like, "Well, this is fucking weird. I don't like any of this shit at all." And then he turns around and is met by his 1980s self, uh, and proceeds to do bat. Who is actually one of these Caranadas? Caranadas creatures that uh, he proceeds to do battle with. They get to the mountains and start their way in. Um, and find the convent of living fire yeah which is a giant fucking convent church uh with a lot of fire around it buried in the middle of this mountain and at this point even i'm like oh, i like this weird stuff but would would anyone like to slow down and make sense for 30 seconds nope <laughs> okay steve gerber has no time for your logic and understanding right, uh so that brings us to uh marvel presents number seven which this time is inked by bob wachek um colored by petra goldberg and lettered by irving watanabe uh they make their way down to the convent and as they're making their way through, they find, like, these burning effigies. But it turns out they're actually nuns that are on fire. And one of them, like, the fire is extinguished, but then she falls to the ground and, like, turns to ash. And, uh, and they're like oh my god, what the fuck? And Nikki is like, I'm gonna be sick. And Starhawk's like, um, well, unfortunately, you gotta do that. And she's like, ha, no. Which, 
That's and they fair. do they do a really good job. Like the so they do occasionally good things with like uh, characterization. And one of the things I like about Nikki is like her whole deal is self survival. Like yeah. like because that's been her whole deal for seven years. So anytime they're like, I need you to make any kind of sacrifice, Nikki's just like, no. No, 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 no. Fuck you. No, I'm not doing that on... You yeah. want me to do that willingly. No, that's not how this works. Yeah. And eventually they convince her. Yeah. Um. So we switch back to Vance and he's having his face off. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with himself and uh he proceeds to have a mental battle with this thing but they they col- after which he collapses and we're like oh no did he oh. get sucked dry uh we switch back to starhawks um starhawks little asteroid and uh, the dome is broken. There's a horse, like, freezing and <laughs> floating through space. And uh, and the the face of Alita is on the computer screen and uh, crying. And she's just like, oh, no, the kids. But then the computer explodes. And maybe if your response to danger was not to just hypnotize the children and send them to bed this wouldn't have happened, but whatever. Um, so we come back to the, the, um, the convent and the nuns and the mother superior are getting, uh, her ready. And the mother superior is somewhat comforting in that. She's like, I've been through the flame state and I came back. It's a question of like, you know, um, how strong your sense of identity is. Um, but <laughs> interspersed with this is also like you are good. What it amounts to is you are going to come so hard, like, yeah, so fucking That's, hard. They it don't, will be it the is best all, orgasm. No, you it's have all ever the had. orgasms stacked on top of each other. From here to eternity, everyone's orgasms, which really, which really sucks, because it's like, look, I'm not saying that that level of euphoria wouldn't be cool, but like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to come back from it because then what? Like, what do you? Yeah. What do you have? Like, sex is basically like the best feeling there is, and now that's nothing. Like, yeah. What are you gonna? Your your entire life is just gonna be a bleak hellscape of subpar orgasms from now on. But uh, so they load her up into the machine. There's some chanting. The machine uh, turns on, and Starhawk is like, ah, and uh, he goes running from the room. And Martin X is like, no, no. You guys stay here. Uh, he tells Charlie 27 and Yondu to stay with Nikki because they are the ones she will probably need if, uh, cause like in the short time she's been with them, 
they're the ones with whom she has most connection, the most connection. Basically, um, they're the ones. I actually don't hate Martin X, like his logic here, because he's basically like, you guys stay here because you're not dicks. Yeah. And she doesn't even really, she doesn't really like me, and that's fine. But she, you're not assholes. So right. you, you like, hang out Yondu, here. Yondu is endlessly patient. And Charlie yeah. 27 has has come through in the clutch for her a couple times now. Yeah, so, and generally he's... Charlie he's 27 nice is generally the nicest guy on the yeah. team. Or on the um, ship at the moment. And, and so he's like, I'll go and look after Starhawk. So... Maybe he'll die for real this time. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, so the process starts to work. Martin X follows after... Um, uh, Starhawk, <clears throat> Nikki is catching fire. Martin X catches up with Starhawk as he transforms into Alita. Um, and Alita is pissed with Starhawk oh, yeah. because she's like, he reneged on his vow, ignored my summons. He abandoned us, abandoned the children. I'm really glad that Alita is as sick of Starhawk's bullshit as I am. Yes. Um, but still, like, this whole Starhawk situation is fucking annoying. Um, but she's like, yeah, he murdered them as callously as he slew me. I don't have the context for that. I don't really care. Uh, don't find out forever. Okay. Like they even at one point when they get separated, he's they still won't fucking explain it. Uh which is and it's hilarious because it's it's Starhawk that keeps like shutting the information down because Alita is just like, "Yeah, no, you want to know? Come here. Come here. I'll tell you a fucking story." <laughs> and every time, especially after they get separated, uh Starhawk like will wander into the room because he is the one who knows and shuts it down and like it's just the dumbest thing. I don't even remember what what the actual what the thing is because it was more funny after a while it was just funnier to watch them not tell me. Um yeah. Uh, and, back on the... and honestly, honestly, like, I don't really care. Uh, I will say again, maybe if you had some defenses beyond sending the children to bed. Yeah. The... You needed a better plan. Yeah, because, like, don't get me wrong. I realize Starhawk can be where he needs to be when he needs to be, provided that... He's not been swallowed by an energy-draining monster. Like, sure. Uh, uh, back on the Captain America, the Vance, the fleshy Vance Astro is uh, watching. Or no, first we get the what the hell is going on, which is during the staring contest, uh, our thousand-year-old Vance Astro managed to transfer his consciousness into the yeah, whatever into the construct yeah uh, they're realizing that the 
stars that the topographical man is swallowing or feeding off of are about to explode. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel bad. I don't think we really address that. He's, he's being, he's got his hands like in these two stars and it almost kind of looks like he's chained by them. Yeah. But in point of fact, he's actually feeding on them and they're getting ready to go supernova. Um, that is that's not how that works. That's what it but okay. me of. So you remember, is that in Mass Effect 3 with the, hum, the human, uh, what were they called? The big bads. Uh, uh, you mean Cerberus? Cerberus was creating a human version of the big bad things. The Reapers? A, the Reapers, yes. He was creating a... They, Cerberus was creating a human Reaper. And one of the missions was to go destroy the human Reaper. And that it kind of looked like ago. this too. Yeah. I. Um, it's been a while. I started replaying Mass Effect at one point, but then I got distracted <laughs> by other shit. So, yeah. Um, anyway, his moat self is absorbed into the topographical man because we have to try to combine all of these things into one thing at some point. Uh, meanwhile, Yondu tries to break Nikki out because like, it's clear she's just not having a good, not having as good time as she's supposed to be. Uh, but then she kind of breaks through it and her spirit separates from her body yeah and then she goes and has planetary sex uh her spirit ascends and then meets the topographical man who is now also part vast vance astro and they do it they ban they bang it out uh, yeah, at the that's end of really which, what it is. Like, they, they ba- yeah, they had a fight. They bang it out. They're okay now. Uh, um, the topographical man is destroyed in the end of it. Uh, there, they they have enough time to escape, and Nikki returns to her body. Uh, now faced with a, an eternity of uh, substandard orgasms, and at the end of it. Um, yeah, like, uh, the topographical man explodes and Nikki's astral form is kind of seemingly ripped asunder, but in point of fact, it returns to her body. Um, the topographical man becomes, um... Um, it, the uh, topographical man becomes a new star. Um, and it's at this point that Vance, they realize Vance Astro and Nikki are holding hands and she's like, whoa, what? He, yeah, when they, as soon when as somebody, it called, as soon as it's called out, he drops her hand immediately. And she's and... like, what are you, why are you so weird? It's not a bit. And she, of course, doesn't realize that he was inside the topical, topographical man when they banged it out. 
And uh, no, I think she knows. Does she actually? Does she yeah, actually? Because she, because Vance is the one that says we felt like we felt its creation, didn't we, Nikki? Felt the spirits of those people whose worlds the giant has compute had consumed fusing, and okay. that's when Alita's yeah. like fusing like your hands, and he drops her hand. Oh. She's like, "Come on, you can't." What? Yeah. Wait, really? She well, and... she when I initially read that, uh, when I initially read that, I see, I see now what you're saying. When I initially read it, I took it as she's like, "Why are you? Why are you? Ble- what's what's there to be weird about?" Um, and looking at it again, I realize it's probably just. She knows what happened, but she doesn't see it as that big a deal. Whereas Astro is like showing his age as it were. Um, so yeah, uh, let's go ahead and take a break and, uh, we will be back in a moment with some other stuff. But, uh, yeah, like, so that's, I, I always liked, as much as I blame, uh, as much as I blame Whose Line Is It Anyway for a lot of the shitty improv that followed, I really liked the original, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway, the British one. I loved that show when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Uh, talking about cast from the past. Yep, we're, uh, it's all it's an all new show. We switch formats. In yes, the break. we guess what? We guys? are literally just going to be talking about shows on ABC or ABC. Well, Freeform now. Yeah, uh, formerly ABC Family. Uh, Only. Yeah, I mean, so. so get ready for the Good Doctor. Get ready for uh, American Housewife. American Housewife. Get ready housework. for the Goldbergs and its spinoff, Schooled. Uh, get ready for a bunch of shows that end in ish. Yes, uh, blackish, mixedish. Uh, yeah, there's crab-ish. another one. Uh, there's another one. No, the the one with the daughter at college. Shit. Ah. Uh, Fuck, I know. Adultish? I don't. I don't, I don't think that's right. That doesn't. Feel it's right. something. It's something to do. It. It's like. See, I'm guys. vaguely adult-like now. See, yeah. guys, we're all learning together, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it's all about. No, um, we're gonna do Marvel two and one. Hooray! It's my favorite carrier character, Morbius. Uh carrier. He's my favorite carrier too. I don't know. Of blood Plague carrier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marvel two and one number fifteen is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Arvel Jones, inked by Dick Giordano, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Karen Mantlo. Uh, Morbius has the shitty luck to attack the girlfriend of the thing. Which, uh, right as the thing is arriving. The thing I love about two and one is very few. But one of the things that is like constant in two and one is like, 
how we do the contrivance to get them together. Mm -hmm. And the thing I appreciate about this book is that it's like, you know what? Fuck it. He's just going to attack Alicia Masters. We're not... We're not messing around. Let's go. And, like, I kind of appreciate when the book's like, it's a contrivance. Move on. Let's go. I'm like, okay. Thank you. Um, So he, Morbius attacks Alicia. Uh, Ben is on his way there anyway. He busts in, stops, stops them, and Morbius is like, okay, wait a minute. I know you. Do you remember me? And he's like, yeah, I remember you. Uh, and they had a mutual appreciation, but you picked on the wrong gal. Uh, so I got I got to clobber you. Yeah. Alicia stops him from straight up murdering Morbius, which may be the highest crime of this issue for everyone. Um, everything that happens from here on out is your fault, Alicia. Yep. You uh, have so much... So much blood on your hands. Of varying species. Wee Wee So he tosses him out the window. Morbius flies down, finds some other dude. He or no wait. In the interim. Because this book has no time for your shit. The living eraser shows up and is like <laughs> I am the living eraser. And we do the drunk dude. I just realized this this drunk man uh, in the alleyway is fairly well-dressed. Like, these are some pretty good shoes. He's got a full suit on, tie, that looks tied. It looks like he just got off his job at the stock exchange. It was just, maybe that's what it was. He lost literally everything earlier in the day, had enough money for this bottle of hooch, and this well, is where like- he ends up. Who's the the comedian that makes the joke about, like, maybe it's my first day of being homeless? Like, Mm. because there's a comedian who makes, who has some bit about, like, he went to, he went and he was staying at a hotel uh, and, like, fell asleep on the couch in the lobby. And they were like, hey, you can't sleep here. And he's like, "I'm, I'm a guest here. Like, I'm not. I'm where I'm supposed to be. What? And they're like, I'm sorry, we just, we don't allow people to sleep here because we get a lot of homeless people that sleep on these couches. And so we just can't allow it. And, uh, and he's like, for a moment, I was offended because he's like, you know, I'm like wearing a a nice shirt and like, you know, nice pants and stuff like that. And he's like, but then I realized maybe it's just my first day of being homeless. <laughs> like I haven't quite, I haven't, I haven't it. I've showered relatively recently and I'm wearing decent clothes. So that just haven't gotten a, had a chance to get ratty yet, which is its own. Like there were problems with that whole job. Oh yeah. That's just what is what it reminds. You know, honestly, sometimes like I get it, you know, you've had a hard day at the office <laughs> The bar can be pretty expensive, or maybe they cut you off, uh, or maybe you just you know, don't want to go home. Yeah. So like, Get fuck it, drink in an alley. Fuck it, yeah. I mean, I've never done it myself, but if this, if this, the way that this guy wants to spend his time, uh, there are better, there are worse ways. Yeah. 
He's eaten by the living eraser. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. And then we get a little backstory of who the living eraser is, what his deal is, and that's when Morbius, having been denied his meal of Alicia Masters, is uh, tries to eat the living eraser. And honestly was doing a pretty good job until Ben shows up. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. If you don't remember the living eraser, it's fine. Uh he was he was a Hank Pym villain. Uh, yep. Kidnapped a bunch of scientists, and oops, one of them was Hank Pym. And uh, and yeah. then Hank so. Pym managed to fight his way back. Like when he erases you, you get transported to his planet. That's right, or his dimension, or wherever. It yeah, it's Dimension Z. Um, but the upshot of all of this is. Thing and Morbius get erased and wind up in a cell in Dimension Z. There they meet the now-deposed Emperor of Dimension Z and his daughter and his right-hand dude. Uh, they They were the ones who had sent Living Eraser to Earth originally to get scientists to unlock the power of the atom for them. He has now deposed them and is taking over. So Thing and Morbius are like, yeah, all right, let's kick this guy's ass. So they break out of the cell. They make their way to the Living Eraser's lab where they find devices that will allow them to do the same thing he does. So I love that they they pull a get help as well Yeah, to yeah. get out. Which basically is the princess lays on the floor, acts unconscious. Everybody else waits by the side of the door until somebody bursts in to help the princess and then they attack him. Um, Yeah, which you would think is so ubiquitous in fiction. No one should be fooled by that. Nope. Um, Uh, But he is. Fight some guards. and uh, Morbius uh, is getting getting all fresh with the princess and she is digging it well no um, she's getting fresh with him and well, he's like, like he's hey he's you he, should probably he not is like he she makes a move and he's just like yeah no no wait no um <laughs> and uh and so yeah so they make their way back to earth and uh and the they fight the living eraser they use his own technology against him and erase him into custody uh morbius morbius uh, starts to like give into the bloodlust and he's just like no i can't i can't do this and the princess is just like i like you the way you are i don't care what you are please come back with me. And he's like, no. And like erases himself somewhere else. We don't know where. Uh, you know, the end. I, I mean, next week promise or next month promises Kazar. Hooray. Because, if there is one thing that I need, it is Kazar 
outside the context of X-Men. It's one thing... Because I give a shit. Nope. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Thor Annual number 5 is written by Steve Englehart, penciled by John Bashima, inked by Tony DeZuniga, uh, colored by Don Weirfield. And this one... This one I didn't understand. It says lettered by San Jose. And I tried to figure I tried to find out like what that meant. And I couldn't. So I genuinely like the entire city of San Jose colored this issue of or lettered this issue of of Thor annual like. All right. But, uh, so yeah, the, we, we get, we get the Norse creation myth, which I know that the comics deviate from Norse mythology a lot, but this is actually, this is actually pretty close. I mean, all of the stuff about like the two, the two realms where it's like all ice and all fire and blah, blah, blah. And there's, there's like, uh, there's like the conflagration of where they meet is actually what begats Midgard and like all of that. And humans are made from trees Uh and so on and so forth. Like this is all, this is all pretty spot on. Yeah. I mean, Um, and the fact that the giants came first and, um, they, Ymir's body becomes, what they make Midgard out of. Yeah, that's because, what it is. Well, because well, it's Mephelheim that's... Shit, I, it's right here. Hold it's, on. it's... The place where the two meet is where they build Midgard, I believe. Uh, yeah. It's so... It's such a weird... Yeah. But I even so, like, they, they use... They use the bits... Of Ymir to make Midgard there. Right. Um, and it's, you know, Midgard's spine becomes the mountains. and or Sorry, Ymir's spine becomes the mountains and his, uh, his brains become this and his blood becomes the ocean and on and on and on. So, yeah. Uh, so we get a brief recap of the Norse creation myth um and this is again this is one of those things that if you take it as rote that this is how things were created and if you take it as rote that every pantheon exists and is what they say they are then these are all true at the same time time that's the uh that's the so that's the understanding within this marvel context right is like everything happens at the same time yeah um and and it isn't just the part that makes it a little more complicated is all of the things, but like they, I don't mind this actually is like everything, all all the things are true. 
even, and, even that, if they, and that's fine. Yeah. I just... Because, I mean, we've already met the Egyptian pantheon as well. Like, right. And, and like, we, know so for a, cre- we know for a fact that the Judeo-Christian God exists. Because yeah. the Fantastic Four meet him. Mm-hmm. And so forth. And on an, and we know the Japanese pantheon exists because there's a whole thing later on with Ares and yeah. So, so oh, yeah, he meets yeah yeah okay. I remember that. Jesus, what yeah. was that? That was the Ares uh, miniseries when it turned out that his son then wound up being a god as well. Was that a and that was a spin-off of the Loki miniseries, right? Not really. not really. Okay. It was it was a standalone it was a standalone mini and then the stuff with his son got picked up with uh Secret Warriors. Yep. Phobos. Uh, he was Phobos. Anyway, the the point the point is I I'm okay. Don't get me wrong, I'm okay with the idea that uh, that all of these things exist and all of them are true at the same time. I guess I'm just ultimately kind of curious as to... I'm the type of person, I want to understand the mechanism by which that occurs. You know? Like, if you if you say magic, okay, that's fine, but, like, does the magic basically mean that... Uh, that it it exist that creation exists in a quantum state, and it's only when, uh, when you're talking about a specific cosmology, that it then collapses into that specific creation myth, or like that's all. Uh, that's I all mean, I'm getting at is I want to know how. Like I appreciate it. There, I, I see, I appreciate that you want to know how, and I think the answer is a, is frustratingly yes. Like, the the quantum state thing, that, or at least that's, I think that's what the Marvel bullpen and editorial decided, was that when it comes to creation, when all of these other myths, right, or whatever, yeah, the way that it works in Marvel, in the Marvel universe, is yes. Like... You got a creation thing, and it's credible, and we're back backing it up by you know thousands of years of in universe history. Then go for it. You you get to have that. And then as far as like your um, what you were saying about the quantum sort of level, they sort of even address that at the end of this issue or middle of this well, they, issue. Well, they where they do talk about how it's like the the Norse gods hold sway in the north. And the Greeks hold sway in the south, and that's fine. That's fine when they're all just uh, unconnected civilizations. But like, when you skip forward to 1973, how does that work? How does Thor yeah. still have all of his powers in New York? Yeah, and like, right? Which okay. I'm but cool like, with that being a little yada yada away as well. Um, I actually, well, I know that you're not you're not bagging on this issue, but I 
I like this. I think I like this yeah, issue no, a lot. I, I, I do. I like Thor and Hercules. Mm-hmm. I like whenever they meet, even if it, even if it's an antagonistic situation. I like Thor and Hercules. I want Thor and Hercules together all the time. Um, I just there's a there's a lot of the actual machinery of this that I don't understand. In that, like, if if the Norse gods only hold sway in the north, and the Greek gods only hold sway in the south then how do their powers still function wherever they're having battle you know oh, yeah. like good point stuff like that that that's all it's just i'm just like i said i'm not saying i don't like the story i just I want to understand. So anyway, the upshot of all of this is... After we do the creation myth, we do like the Asgardian history sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So Asgard gets built. Odin uh, and his brothers... His brothers die, I think. Uh, I don't remember what happens to them. I'm blah, blah, th- blah. Fast forward several generations. Um, Thor is born. Thor becomes the god of thunder and helps people fight on earth um people really dig him so he goes to he go he is preyed upon or prayed for and answers some prayers to go to midgard and he goes down there and he's fighting with the vikings against people who are obviously greek yes and uh so there's this big greek battle Meanwhile, in the Greek backlines, the generals start praying for their own champion to show up, and it's Hercules. So, based on the way that this is structured, Mm -hmm. this is the first time they meet. And, like, they may forget each other because this is literally legend, right? Yeah. But this is, like, Hercules and Thor meeting and they could fucking go at it uh each calling themselves a god and each referring to the other as a pretender um which is fun yeah and they they fight for like 24 hours and the fight's really rad (laughs) and at the end of it like they both just stop and are like, okay, so clearly we're not we're not going to finish this today. Um, but there's Thor's like there should be an ending. So if it be agreed, I say we meet once again in one week when our fellow gods may do battle at our sides. Then we'll determine the determine the worth of each realm. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we'll prepare our people or we'll ask our people to refrain to refrain from conflict here and hercules is like you know what yeah fuck it let's do this and then he turns around to his uh the greek soldiers behind him and is like go get out of here um and they're like oh bye um uh to answer your question about veli and vey 
Odin's brothers. Oh. In Marvel continuity, they were forced to stay behind in Muspelheim uh, when fighting Surtur and died. Oh. And so all of their power then transferred to Odin. That's and, why he's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so Thor's like, I got a good plan. Fuck yeah. I'm going to show everyone that Asgard's the shit. And he goes upstairs. He goes back to Asgard. He goes into Odin's rooms and he's like, hey, so I've been having a fight. And Odin's like, all right, what's going on? He goes, that's what we do. That's what we do. And Odin's like, or he goes... All right, so I met these. We- I met this fucking weirdo, who I couldn't just destroy, and like that's weird. Uh, but so we fought for like twenty four hours, and I told him that we would settle this as a civilization. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get all the army, and I'm going back to Midgard, and we're gonna kick this guy's entire army's ass. And Odin's like, No, you're not. Why on earth would you think that's a good idea? Who gave you the power to do that, to make such a pact? No, you're not doing this. And Thor's like, uh, no, no, he attacked me? He attacked me. That's an attack on all of Asgard. We gotta go do this. And Thor's like, shut up, there will be, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what you agreed to, like, that's your honor, not mine. We're not doing that. And Thor's like... fine loki overheard all of this because of course he did and that's what loki does he he creeps around um i don't want to say he jerks off uh while doing so but he jerks off while doing so and uh so he turns himself into a bee and Finds his way to Olympus. Now there's some hand waving for you. Yeah, we we literally learned Olympus existed yesterday, but he's able to, as a bee, fly himself there. Uh, mm-hmm. Where Zeus is having a pretty much the same conversation with Hercules that Odin and Thor just had, which was. Zeus is a little less hardcore about it. He's more like, I don't know. This doesn't... This doesn't seem like a great idea. Are you... Are you sure you want to do this? And... But because of the way that Olympus is set up... There's a... It's a little more of a democratic system. Like, everybody kind of gets a say. Zeus is the ultimate call. But everybody kind of gets to pipe in and be like... I think we should do it. Ares is like, I definitely do. Duh. And Hippolyta is... Is it, is it Hippolyta or Athena? Well, I've, I know Athena gets brought into it and she's just kind of like there, as I recall. Yeah. Um, Hera... Hera. Hera is against it because Hercules is for it. <laughs> Yeah, um, is what it comes down to. <laughs> She's just like, well, ordinarily I might be on board, but since Hercules thinks it's a good idea, I'm a hard no. Yeah, and uh, eventually it just kind of turns down to like, I don't know. I'm sorry, son. I don't think we're gonna do this. Like, yeah. And at that point, uh, 
Thor, air quotes, show, show, apparates from a puff of smoke. And uh, we're going to use apparate once per show. All right. So that's my promise to you, the listener. Uh, what other show is going to do that for you? For you? Other than uh, he probably th- talks about Harry Potter. Yeah, there you go. Shows up, punches Hercules in the face. They fight for a little and then vanish in mist again. And at that point, all the all the Olympians are like, well, okay, now we have to. Like, yeah. that's some bullshit. You can't just show up to my turf, punch my son in the back of the head, and then leave. No, fuck that. We're going. Yep, pretty much. Which is great because Thor was going anyway. <laughs> like, even though he got straight up told no by Odin, he manages to rouse the entire army, all of his friends, and even Balder, who would normally be like, I don't think so. Like, yeah. You're my dude and all, but uh, your dad said no. Balder, you're so lame. Yeah, that is uh, that is one of those things that... Thor is really frustrating in these early issues because he is. He's the... He's the... Uh, the... He's the Thor from the beginning of the first movie. Yeah. Who's just like impulsive and reckless and doesn't listen to what people say um and it bugs me that that's the thing they got right about the movie but whatever uh the upshot is uh yeah he he's like um he's gonna do it no matter what so for what a so he is able to gather what forces he can the Asgardians are like, let's fucking do this! Or the Greeks are like, let's fucking do this. God, whatever. Um, and uh, so what winds up happening is they all meet for battle, and then, like, two hooded figures meet on the verges of the battle, and they, like, size each other up and blah, blah, blah. The battle starts, and the Asgardians win. They, like, they stomp shit they did they suffer some losses but ultimately they they've got this they've got this in the back yeah not only Um, did they win but yeah they won handily yeah Um, and uh so so uh the the asgard the asgardians are like yay and everything and so thor and his buddies go to athens to just be like, hey, no, we're your they, gods now. What? Not yet. I think at first he goes back to Odin. And well, yeah, like, he goes back to Odin and he's just like, why won't you give me credit for this? And uh, Odin's just like, you're you're young and you're impetuous. Uh, and like, well done on not dying, I guess. But I'm not going to I'm not going to give you what you want here. And, uh, so Thor storms off. I, yeah. I apologize. I did forget about that. So yeah, he, and, uh, he storms. Yeah, but I forgot. You're right. He does. He storms off, gathers his friends and is like, let's go see what we won. Yeah. Which... And so he goes to Athens and he literally, his plan is to come to the Greeks and be like, what's up, Thor, your new God of thunder. 
This is Volstag. He's fat and stupid. This is Fandral. Uh, he gets it wet. Yep. Hogan. He's the quiet type. Uh, my dad is Odin. He's the big guy. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Athenians are just like, fuck off. And like, the Athenians are like, get out of my way. I have places to be. Right. And I, this issue is interesting, not just from a story standpoint, but it's also the first time we, uh, we find out that the gods need humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something that I know Earth X gets into, but the the upshot is Thor goes back to uh, Odin, and he's like, "What the fuck happened?" And in the course of things, we find out that Odin convinced the Asgardians that they had won. Zeus convinced the Greeks that they had won. Both then went to their new lands uh, to discover that that. They have no power there. And uh, as a result, Odin is just like, look, the humans need us, but we need the humans too. Their belief is what keeps us going. And this is this is the sort of thing that... Um, it's not just Marvel that does this. I mean, certainly American gods... Uh, got into this somewhat and you know things like well, that american gods gets into it a lot yeah well yeah but yeah. i like but in that in that specifically with odin it was the uh it was the battle being dedicated to him oh, that well, really yeah like yeah, juiced yeah. him up sure uh, but the the upshot is so in earth x they actually explore the idea that the reason Odin sent uh, Thor back to Earth and the reason that Thor joins the Avengers and all that shit is because they do significantly require uh, belief or else they disappear. Um, they are shaped by what people believe about them. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's this is the first time we've really come across the the idea that the gods actually need humans. That it's not just yay, they love us, but like no, they have to love us or we will die. Yeah. Um but so this all ends up with Thor leaving Odin and being like, "Fuck. God, I hate it when he lies to me." And he does it all the time. Um basically having a bit of a tantrum when Carnilla's like, hey, yo, come over here. And he sits down and tells him the truth about what his future is going to be like and you'll walk with full power. You're going to be called with the Avengers. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. He's like, look, she's like, okay, so you got a little bit taken down today, but it's the future's gonna, bright. Yeah, it's gonna be good, man. Like just, you know, if you if you're looking forward to punching things, there's gonna be no no dirge of that. You're yeah. you're gonna be a or there's a better word than that. Uh shortage? Yeah, shortage is better. There's gonna be no shortage of things to punch if that's all you're in for. And he's like, Well, 
good. And goes out and has himself a, a, a victory uh, thunderstorm. Yeah. Overall, so, I like this book. I liked this issue because yeah. it was... I saw this week's list and saw that there were three fucking annuals on it. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to take forever. And sometimes yeah. the annuals aren't that hot. Uh, this was a nice surprise because it was broken up into it was broken up into basically three sections anyway but i was interested in all three of those sections yeah the the let's redo well let's go over the creation myth again let's go over the asgardian history again and then our actual story this month like yeah i thought that was or this year i actually thought that was cool so i liked this book yeah me too uh defenders number 39 is written by steve gerber penciled by sal bushima inked by klaus jansen colored by don warfield and lettered by gaspar saladino gene hip and irving watanabe did you see did you read the thing i sent you uh yeah the elf with a gun so uh, the uh, the upshot you know last week we talked about Melf, the elf with a gun, that is entirely random and doesn't go anywhere. Uh, part of that is because Steve Gerber winds up leaving the book uh, in order to, you know, go be weird somewhere else. Um, but Steve Gerber had apparently said that the point of the elf with a gun is sometimes there are, there is weird shit in this universe that happens and we don't understand why. Um, and that's, that's fine. But first of all, this is fiction. That's not how fiction generally operates. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Second of all, in order for that to work, that's got to be the only random, unexplainable thing that happens. But so much of this book is just weird shit, and we're just going to do this because what the fuck ever. Yes. That it, do it doesn't... It doesn't achieve, like, I like the idea of that, but it doesn't achieve what it's supposed to, I don't think, because this entire book is so fucking, like, just, okay. I well, definitely, whatever. the the article you sent me, the, well, was the blog you sent me, comes down on, like, this Melf is a success yeah. For what it's supposed to be. And I'm less charitable yeah. as well. No, I agree. Where I'm like, uh, I mean, it's there. It, I, is, it is also a thing that happens. Yeah. That is, as best as I, that's as charitable as I'm going to get. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not opposed to the idea behind it. I'm saying like, yeah, it categorically does not work because of 
everything else that happens in this book. Like in theory, like I like the idea of, so HP Lovecraft is a racist piece of shit. Yes. But one thing I like about Lovecraft's writing is the idea of cosmicism, which is to say, if there could be a thing in this universe that could be called a god, it is probably so vast and so unknowable that we cannot understand its motives or actions, and it probably doesn't really give much of a shit about us. Yeah, Um, and even to attempt to try to understand its motives and actions would be to court insanity because you are messing with things that are fundamentally beyond your ken it's like it's like trying to perceive the uh, the fourth dimension like right you can't you can't do that um any more than just in like the easiest out i guess example is ants you don't think about ants yeah. And ants, if ants could understand, if an ant could understand all of your problems, that ant would kill itself. Yeah. Like, and if, and if you let an ant live, it's not because you love the ant. If you kill the ant, it's not because you have, you move in mysterious ways. It's just, it's an ant like, yeah, whatever. And so in that regard, I get the elf with a gun thing from that standpoint. Is it successful? No. But, okay. But also, I think the problem... The fundamental problem is that... Lovecraft is very much a product of his time. Mm-hmm. In that... I, there was a there was a, a review I saw... Uh, Zero Punctuation did a review of some Lovecraftian game. And was talking about how... The problem with doing Lovecraft in the modern age is that if you uh, if you are at all thinking that humanity matters or that uh, or that humanity is special in the grand scheme of the universe, turning on the TV, getting on the internet will disabuse you of that n- notion immediately lovecraft it was just like yeah like this is the way this is the world and we matter and oh my god what if but what if we don't and yeah yeah, obviously so you know i i feel like at a certain point lovecraft stops being particularly novel in that regard because yeah it's it's not just the fact that we learn more about the way the universe works at all times, but also just we know way too much about each other and everything else to really be able to romanticize humanity and its place in the universe uh, sometimes. So, whatever, man. But anyway, so... Defenders 39 starts with Doctor Strange is meditating to try and figure out why his powers are being all weird. I the others like, are just... I like this 
the way that he sidelines himself. Yeah. Um, it's, and it, it, it's believable too. Like, yeah. If Dr. Strange tells you, do not fucking come in here while I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. First of all, Wong's going to try to kill you if you do. Second right. of all, if you go in there, you are going to see some shit and may not come out. Like, yeah. It, everybody understands do not go in there only come get me if like i don't if the, even if the house is on fire leave me in here yeah um i like that sidelining the i don't like jack norris sorry well yeah but jack jack gets really annoying and then it's just like but it's okay because blah but yeah, Jack is like, Valkyrie, Valkyrie, Valkyrie. And the others are like, all right, oh, all right. Yeah, let's find Valkyrie. Um, Valkyrie, meanwhile, the she is brought into the warden's office. And the warden's just like, you know, um, you're a cute little thing. And maybe you should, uh, I'd hate to see something bad happen to you. So she throws him across the <laughs> office. Which, yeah. Um but she winds up in solitary. Um, Which the, she's the, like, thank God. Yeah. I actually really like when they put her in her cell and she's just like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. But yeah. if you're, if you think solitary is a good idea, it's, it's not. No, it's not. like no. li- dear listener. Solitary sucks. Yeah, uh, no. It's I not mean, natural I'm, for people. That's and, not uh, that's not representative of my views of solitary confinement. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing this out there. Solitary is bad. It is. Uh, and yeah. But anyway, so the defenders all go out looking for her. They all try various tacks. Uh, Nighthawk winds up going to the commissioner of police, and that's how they find out ultimately. But uh, Val is in solitary and she just kind of gets fed up with shit and busts down the door. And then she comes out to discover that there is a full-blown riot happening. She basically gets... She she gets the chance to sleep, which is all she's really wanted anyway. So she has herself like a good 14 hours or whatever. And then she wakes up and she's like, okay what happened and like works it through her mind again and is like wait a minute this is bullshit i'm fucking valkyrie right she's just like this is stupid i'm valkyrie no and just busts out the door yes finds a riot that they have co-opted her name in seika yeah the the I forget her name, the big Bertha type that has treated her like shit this entire time is now using her as a rallying cry uh, to take over the prison. The defenders find out where Valkyrie is and uh, they they make their way in as the police are surrounding the place. They get to her. It turns out she's put the whole thing down as it is. Like... Yeah, but it's it's pretty interesting because she, uh, the one lady whose name I forget, right, attacks her, like swings a chair at her, and Valkyrie grabs the chair leg and just kind of flips, 
uses it to flip her up over. And it's a nice kind of, it's kind of a nice little workaround for the whole can't lay hands on another woman thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they get in there and it's just like, oh, hey guys. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything is under control. And uh, so, yeah. But then uh, Defenders number 40 starts, and this is colored by Klaus Janssen and lettered by Joe Rosen. And uh, they they drop the charges because of... Uh, because Kyle pays for the damages. Uh, he hires Matt Murdock to represent her. And because she was instrumental in quelling the riot... Uh, she she is allowed to go. And so she's able to collect Dragon Fang and uh, some of her other stuff. But uh, her costume, I guess, got shot up or whatever. Or is... It was pretty fucked. well shredded when she... Uh, when she was well, fighting uh, Chandu. It was, it's a combination of things. It's like... it Not only did it get shredded, but uh, I also like the... Uh, so the guard or the bailiff who's giving her, giving her her stuff back is like, we don't, we don't got storage space for rags and empty shell casings, lady. Sorry. <laughs> and it took me a minute because I was either tired or just my regular form of stupid to be like, shell casings? Oh, the boob cups. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't. I'm only laughing because the only reason that was funny to me is because I didn't know. For, like, four seconds I went, what? Yeah. Oh. So, they get back home and uh, Clea gives Valkyrie a present. And Valkyrie's just like, I've done nothing to be rewarded for. And Clea's just like, that's not the point of a present, bro. And uh, so she goes upstairs to uh to it's also not a very good present if it's clearly a new costume well like because she's just like i guess i'll go change into this and everyone's like but you didn't even open it yet she's like it's a new it's a new costume and they're like yeah which i do like her new costume i mean it's it's shiny for one but also like the the boob armor I'm not a big fan of the boob armor. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and <sighs> yeah, I don't know, but her new costume is great. Uh, in, in terms of it is, it is fairly dynamic looking and yeah, like it's, it's an improvement over her old one. Um, yeah. but <sighs> yeah. Um, Jack continues being an asshole. Um, he he storms in on her while she's changing and is, or while she's finished changing and is like, yeah, do you like it? And he's like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, hey, we need to talk. Are you ever going to be Barbara? Pay attention to me. Are you going to be Barbara? Please. Why do you have to keep playing the warrior woman? What do you need from it? You're my wife. What's wrong with being what's wrong with playing house instead? And I was like, Jack, oh my God, please take your head at least six inches out of your asshole because you were such a dick. Um, But Val, again, for like the third or fifth time is like, 
look, Barbara's gone. I am just using her body. There is nothing here. I kind of thought you were being cool for a minute, but it turns out I was mistaken. Well, what's frustrating about this is I get if you think there is, if you don't believe in that kind of thing, if you don't believe it, that the Enchantress used your crazy wife to become a new body for this Valkyrie spirit, uh, okay, like, I get that you might not believe that. There's weirder shit in the world. And it's clear that there's at least some truth to it. But whatever. Okay. You think she's just crazy. This is not how you handle it. Like, don't get me wrong. I would be heartbroken if something happened and my wife was just like, I'm not your wife. But like, you don't don't just come steamrolling into shit just being like, be Barbara. Like... Fuck. Anyway, so ultimately, Nighthawk is just like, what is it going to take to make you go away? And Jack Norris is like, $300,000. And Kyle's like, fine. Done. Done. Pick it up at the bank. Go the fuck away. Hulk, meanwhile, is jumping around. And there's like a a big to-do about a movie that supposedly shows a real death, which any movie that purports to show a real death probably doesn't like, yeah, that's not, that's not a thing movies generally do. And even when they do, I mean, so he, he, uh, lands in the middle of all of this and is just like, rah, Hulk angry about stuff. Um, And just tears the marquee off this theater. And then is like, sort of shakes his head and is like, why is Hulk here? Why is Hulk ripping by? And just pieces out. Uh, Strange had moved his meditations to Central Park because he thought maybe the energies there would be better. No... And it's not really working for him either. So he starts to head back and he sees a some politician running for senator and he pantses him mystically while, while the man is in the middle of a stump speech. And then he's like, what the fuck am I doing? That's really dumb and weird. Yeah. And he picks up a paper on his way by or on his way out of, out of the park and he, it's... Uh, Nebulon is apparently still around. I kind of thought that he's was cleared up. Being he's being made the UN ambassador. Yeah, um, and also Thursday has announced candidacy, which we know, I know, is Ruby. All right. What? What? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, the elf shows up and kills a woman in a bathroom. Moving on. Yeah, there's a near miss with Hulk. Like, Hulk bursts through. But then, like, as soon as he's gone, the elf is just like, meh. Uh, but the the end of this issue, the upshot of all of this is 
There is a rock or a brick thrown through the window of the Sanctum Sanctorum, which uh, has to do with the Red Guardian and uh, commies. Uh, So the Red Guardian goes after them, um, deals with them. One of them gets winged by a bullet. One of the guys who ran gets winged by a bullet. uh, And... She goes upstairs to this woman and she's just like, can I use your phone to call an ambulance for this guy? And the lady's like, sure, but also meh. And it turns out the old lady's in on it. And then there's this dude, the assassin, who has robot hands. All right. Um, and that's pretty much his whole thing. Like, he he keeps trying to, like, juggernaut shit, but it's all the power is in his hands. It's not like... I mean, he's just a big dude with, like, really strong hands. So when he goes plowing through cars, he does it with his hands out in front of him. But, like, robot hands won't let you plow through a car, dude. But whatever. He's there, and then he's defeated, and that's it. And so the Red Guardian comes back to the Sanctum, and she's just like, Huh. And they're, and they're like, what, what happened? And she's like, can I just rest for a little bit? And they're like, all right, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So they basically, like, Doc comes back and he's like, nah, the meditation's not going great, but I have a feeling we need to start paying attention to some of this terrorism shit. And he's like, on that note where's jack i wanted to talk to him and mm-hmm. uh norris is gone probably forever oops and that's yeah. kind of the end well and at some point in all of this doc strange is just like we should probably move to the defender's compound right because, because... there's a whole lot of shit in here that people don't need to be throwing bricks through Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I really don't want uh, somebody to break in and accidentally release Sugar Norath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that would be, you know, the seven-headed demon creature from beyond space. I don't... I have a rule. Yeah. It's just like, this is a vase my mother got me, and then right next to that is the, uh, the vase that contains the... Uh, the cauldron the, of the cosmos. The cauldron <laughs> that holds the spirit of the black goat with a thousand young. So it can be hard to tell the difference between the two, but this one is one that should not break. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's take a break and uh, we'll be back. We've been kind of, yeah, but uh, let's, uh, let's take a break and we'll power through the rest. I'll be honest, the only time, the main reason I was aware of the Sinead O'Connor thing uh, was I usually watched Saturday Night Live in like syndication and shit on like Comedy Central and uh, what have you. Right. I remember seeing the Joe Pesci episode that aired the next week where they did a thing in the opening monologue where 
he was like, yeah, we taped it back together. Hooray. Everything's fine. But yeah, like whatever. I, uh, you know, I watched, I watched the, uh, some more news about cancel culture. Yeah. Finally. Cody show. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it is that they make a very good point. That is actual cancel culture. I would point I would put a posit that another example would be Winona Ryder. For a while uh, there, yeah. For, for quite a, she had to fight her way back. Like yeah. it was not just, Oh, I'll go away for a while and come back and everything will be fine. It was, she could not, she could not get arrested but on- except for that uh <laughs> after that and she had to she had to work her ass off to be able to get parts again it um, looked for a while there that like that robert downey jr was going to have to do the same thing yeah. he did kind of just go away for a minute yeah and was like quiet but he didn't he never really got like full on like you can't have a job it feels yeah. like between the the period in time before Iron Man and uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang were like him just sort of laying low, not like yeah. he couldn't get a job. It was just, you know, I'm just gonna chill for a minute, and that's different. That's not being but canceled. Al- but also, uh, the the thing about Robert Downey Jr. was one of the reasons he couldn't get a job was for insurance reasons, right? Like he was, he was too dangerous to have on set because he was such a shit show. Yeah. Like that's not, oh, we don't like you. I think he would have gotten parts had it not been like, we just can't insure you. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's... Defenders Annual. Defenders Annual. Oh boy. There's a there's a there's a lot here and a lot I really don't like. Um yep. Defenders Annual number 1 is colored by Don Warfield and lettered by John Costanza. Um It turns out the Jack being bought off to leave Valkyrie the fuck alone and the Defenders by extension was actually just him getting money for a secret mission. But it seems like all he'd have to do is be like, hey, so I think there's something weird going on here. I want to go take a look. Could you help me out? But whatever. The um, only thing that the only reason why I, I can see that he would have to be like have to go through this subterfuge to get the funding for his secret mission is because if he straight up asked Kyle for it. Because I have I have a secret mission. I don't think uh, this uh, Ruby Thursday presidential candidacy is on the up and up. Uh, I think there's something going on there. And I want to go infiltrate her campaign. That Kyle and Strange would look at him and be like, You? No. Which is the exact same reaction I had when he starts James Bonding his shit around. And I'm like... And badly. And poorly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a poor facade. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, this is a different character, dudes. I I don't believe this 
at all because unless he's had a mental breakdown now too like sure but you're not get you're not doing any of the work to make me believe that this is the same character yeah anyway they all meet in the upstate headquarters and kyle finally gets to have everybody have their own special chair and he they replay a message that was sent to defend to the defenders from jack norris that's like i'm gonna take on a dangerous mission from which i'm likely to not return and everyone's like what and then he runs down like the what's been going on for the last eight issues uh with the headman and nebulon and uh red guardian showing up blah 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 ending the, with the short the short version of this is they each go to different places uh power man and valkyrie go to uh india strange goes to washington nighthawk and red guardian go to france um nighthawk and red guardian come into conflict with the bozos uh when they are getting ready to decapitate a straw effigy they don't know that at the time but yeah uh they have the guillotine and it's a whole thing whatever um jacobin appropriation yeah they get shrunk to microscopic size by uh droopy uh whose name i refuse to remember it's morgan uh yeah gerald morgan um it is it is uh yeah um there's a whole thing during the course of this that's like uh the i forget who it is um oh okay power men and valkyrie are in india and they're investigating these assassinations when it turns out they're actually just being shrunk uh and they realize oh it's arthur nagin because this is actually like a uh what what am i trying to say a uh anagram of his name oh yeah and it's the Uh, worst anagram i've ever heard yeah, it's like Ruthar, <laughs> like it's yeah. something dumb. Uh, but anyway, he he shrinks them down to size, and Doctor Strange goes to the goes to Washington to convince Ford not to allow Mister Nebble to uh, become the ambassador. This leads to a a confrontation between Nebulon and Strange uh, that. Does not convince Ford. Ford is going to continue with the um, with the uh, appointment, but then uh, suddenly they're they're shrunk down and captured. There are there are a few problems that I have. First of all, um, there is there is a lot of stuff in this about India. And about what a fucking mess it is. And how... Cage. Cage, of all people, says that 
sometimes people get the world they want. Which I really, I really hate. I miss that. That's real gross. It's really gross. It's really gross because it's the same sort of issue I have with the idea of uh, Mordor in Lord of the Rings taking on the appearance of the, like, the, the internal, like, worth of the people that are stuck in Mordor transforming the land into a shitty place because they're so shitty and it's just kind of like fuck you um because it is it's it's just basically like it completely ignores all of the factors that have made india what it is today yeah you know and and a lot of that is white people oh i actually it's mostly everywhere yeah but i mean like (laughs) You know, it's 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 really annoying as a white person to see white people being like, man, that place is a shithole. And it's just like, we made it a shithole. And like, that's true of so many fucking places. Most places. And it's, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, that place is a mess, but we made it a mess. There may be other factors, but, like, a lot of this is our fault. Like, this is not... Stop blaming other people for shit that's your fault, bro. And the fact that it's Cage yeah, of all the people yeah. in the team that yeah, says that's this. That's the grossest I'm just part. Like, where it's like, uh, clearly no. you get, you know, some people end up with the place they, they want. And it's like, ah, oh, man, you know. No. What? Alright, so they're taken back to the headman's base, uh, and it's, I hate the headman's plan here, Uh, this whole, like, shrink people down and whatever, it's so dumb, but in the end, Strange is able, they can't directly, like, affect this dome that they're in. Nebulon's powers don't work on it. Strange's powers don't work on it. There's not a lot they can do. But Strange is able to reach out and contact the Hulk. The Hulk attacks and in the process smashes the dome. This then allows them to return to their normal size. And they take care of of the headman in fairly short order. When it's all said and done... Strange uh, uses the Eye of Agamotto to just be like, look, this world isn't perfect, but, like, people are doing the best they can. And, like, leave us the fuck alone. And Nebulon's like, fine. Whatever. Bye. (laughs) And just, like, leaves. I love that he basically shows... So yeah, a- after the fight's done with the headmen, Nebulon's like, great, back to the conquering. And then he opens the, you know, he uses the, Strange uses the eye to show him what humanity really is. The truth of humanity. Because that's what the eye of Monogamados want to do. And uh, after all of that, and then he pontific, you know, Strange pontificates some more while Nebulon's like getting his 
bearings. And finally, Nebulon's just like, God, fine, shut up. You're right. Your race is beyond redemption. I'm gone. Like, yeah. he doesn't win. He just convinces Nebulon that we're too shitty to save. <laughs> Which, yeah. That's awesome. Hooray. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's the end of the story. We, we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. This. Ugh. Uh, Power Man number 32 uh, is written by Don McGregor, penciled by Frank Robbins, inked by Vince Cohen, uh, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Karen Mantlow. Speaking of humanity is beyond saving. Um. There's this asshole named Wildfire uh, who is terrorizing this black family in the suburbs. Uh, it turns out he's actually a dude in the neighborhood named Harold Paprika. Whatever. Um, <laughs> like... Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a lean day at the naming mines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i don't know jim go in the freaking kitchen and bring me back a name for this motherfucker uh it's like it's got, like a teen titans naming starfire coriander like yeah right guys um but yeah so uh they they are cages fighting this issue is tough for a few reasons. Yeah. Uh, number one, the the white neighbors all just kind of stand there and are just like watching what's happening. And, and even point... as the Simmons house is burning, Mrs. Simmons is like, somebody call the fire department. And they're all just like. Yeah. Take a picture. <laughs> like They're you know. all just standing there. And then at one point. Uh, is his name Alex? Alex is getting, yeah, Cage is on the ground and Wildfire is like standing over him. And Alex is about to like sneak up and try and help him out when one of the motherfuckers yells, Watch out behind you, Wildfire! And yeah. Um, so, and that ends up getting, he doesn't get injured because it gives Cage. The distraction is enough. Cage is able to get up, kick the gun out of uh, Wildfire's hand. Everybody eventually gets safe. The cops finally start showing up, and that's what scares this asshole away. Yeah. I'm not even willing to call this guy villain. He's just an asshole. Yeah, uh, he's, he's... He's the most base villain. This isn't even... This guy is racist. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But literally, like, the one thing that he's trying to do here, this isn't about, like, killing all black people everywhere. It's literally just, I don't want these specific people living on my specific street. If I can get rid of them, things will suck slightly less. And it's just like, this is just... This is the problem with the concept of superheroes is that it wouldn't, the problem would not be 
the constant big world ending shit. The problem would be that literally every uh, everybody's idea of conflict resolution would be to put on a costume and like fucking shoot a special gun at the person that pissed them off. It would be like your your tree is over the property line into my yard. So I might as well put on a costume and try and nuke your house. Like that is what would suck the worst. Um, but so, so they managed to drive wildfire away for the moment. Um, at which Cage point, goes. Sorry. I actually like Cage comes back and is like trying to check in on the Simmonses, and what's her name? Because she's awesome. Uh, her the mom. God damn it! I missed oh, it. Um, fuck. Uh, anyway, uh, you you find it. She basically grabs. Beth. No, Beth's, sorry, Sandy. 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 Sandy basically grabs Alex by the shoulders and is like, "What the fuck were you thinking?" Like, yeah. This is a really good moment. And she's like, I don't really give a shit if, like, all these racists, they, they suck. I agree. That, the, whole, the whole thing blows. But if you would have died, what the fuck were you thinking? And, like, she lays yeah. into him. And he's like, I, uh, I, I can't, like, his, Alex's reaction is really honest, too. Because he's like, like, I know she's right, but at the same time, I can't just. I couldn't just stand there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what else to do. And yeah, but I can't leave. I won't leave. I'm going to stay. We're staying here. And yeah, cage is like, all right, man. I mean, just, you know, let me know if you need anything. Um, yeah. There was a, there's a brief thing where cage goes back to the theater. DW is talking about his movie death of a nation, which, Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and then there's the obligatory, oh, the soda machine doesn't like Cage. Who gives a shit? This is, this is the, you know, you talked about how, like, there was the unintentional comedy of, uh, or like the, the humor of the Starhawk situation became that they just refused to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is annoying. This is this is trying to be funny and just pissing me off. So, it's a couch gag before there were couch gags. And right. it doesn't work initially on me, but honestly by the the la- for some reason the last issue, it I actually was like, okay, this is starting to wear me down to where maybe I, it's i mean it's at very least it's a nice little bit of uh juxtaposition against all the horrible racism we got in the first five pages or whatever okay but yeah but so there's detective chase and all this and he call Um, he gets a call from his uh extremely doomed wife um (laughs) like i'm standing by that even if i'm proven wrong like if this character like if detective chase goes the long haul in this book uh like he has his home life is way too nice like Mm -hmm. she is she is doomed 
mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be late again. And she's like, but I wanted to have sex. And he's like, I mean, okay, I'll see you later. Um, hopefully we can just do that later. Yeah. Um, so they stake out the neighborhood, Chase mm-hmm. and Cage, hoping to find where this wildfire guy is. Mm-hmm. We cut to the asshole paprika, the paprika asshole home. Uh, his wife, his wife is being like, "I'm going to, I'm going to a meeting about blah because women are men, and yada yada yada." This whole this whole thing is really annoying because paprika. The annoying thing about paprika is the fact that if it would just be, I hate black people and I don't want to live on a street with black people, like that's shitty, but I mean, it's straightforward, like at least own the racism. But Paprika keeps trying to make it out like his issue is that he is sick of being demonized for being a racist shithead. And it's just like, well, the solution to that is to not be a racist shithead, you racist shithead. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Like, I want to be able to hate whoever I want to hate without people pointing out that I hate others is not a valid argument. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so he storms out after this whole thing and he's just like, well, might, might as well try and set some black people on fire. And so he goes and he tries to set the house on fire and he f- cage... Like, he attacks the tree, Chase and Cage are in. Cage winds up jumping out and falls through the roof into the kid's bedroom. They make a big deal all the goddamn time about the fact that Cage is 300 pounds. Which, that's, like, for a dude his size? Yeah. That's not that out there. Like, I don't understand why they make a big... 300 pounds when you're a big, like a tall, muscular dude, that's not that yeah, superhuman a weight. He's 6'6", and yeah. ripped from head to toe. Like, yeah. 300 pounds is not out of the realm yeah, of possibility. Yeah, that's nothing to do with the, like, the imperviousness of his skin. He's just a big, strong guy. But, uh, so in the course of things... Well... He falls through the roof, like, and Augie, who's been our narrator character, one of the kids, is like, oh shit, Power Man just fell through the roof. Daddy didn't want you to do that anymore. And he's like, he goes, what are we doing? And Power Man's like, we're not doing anything. Uh, We're not playing a game. Just go get your mom and dad up, okay? So I'm going downstairs to fight some shit. Just go get your parents. And uh, he runs downstairs. Uh, asshole is in the middle of trying to light the front door on fire. 
Power Man barrels through and punches him in the face, and I feel good about it. Um, yeah. And they have some more fight. The baby goes and wakes up the parents, who at this point were probably getting up and putting on their robes anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a heavy sleeper, but if a dude blasted through my front door like that, I'd wake up. Yeah. Uh, the baby t- grabs, or mom grabs the baby, Sandy grabs the baby and is like, where's your brother? And she's like, Augie said it's a game, mommy. And he's she's like, it's not a fucking game. We got to get the hell out of here. Uh, yeah. They all run down and we see that Augie's hiding underneath his bed. Yeah. Um, in the end, Chase and, Cage and Cage and to a much lesser extent, Chase are able to take down Wildfire. Uh, Alex goes back. I think it's Alex yeah. who goes back in to uh, to save Augie. He pulls him out, but at the end of it, Augie dies. Um, and Wildfire's like, I didn't want to kill anybody. I just wanted to scare them out. And it's like, well, Fire was maybe not the best choice for that then. Because the funny thing about Fire is Fire doesn't care about what you wanted. Fire burns shit. And if somebody happens to be in there, they get burned too. You stupid racist shithead. Yeah. So, hooray, dead kid. And this is... This then continues throughout the rest of the issues of Power Man. So, hooray! Um, so, Power Man number 33. Uh, Luke is out with Claire Temple and Noah Burstein when they are atta- when Burstein is attacked by this dude called Spear. Um, Cage goes after this Spear guy. They have a battle. Uh, and Spear gets away. Um... When Luke gets back, the cops are there and Detective Chase is like asking about what's going on. Burstein is just like, I have no idea. Um, and Luke is like, really? Because seems like he kind of targeted you. And uh, yeah, so but Burstein gets home and Spear... Uh, threatens him specifically and it's just like yeah no you don't get uh you don't get to pretend you don't think this is about you bro um there's some stuff with luke at the gym who ca- who cares uh luke attend attends the funeral for augie and talks to um the simmons family beth is being weird um yeah there's clearly a lot of a lot of shock that she's going through and yeah um he's actually i really like this that he's just like okay you you need somebody to talk to uh and he kind of makes her like a little mission for himself i uh, yeah i really like that because it I really him, like that about it. It because, humanizes him so much. Yeah, it, it is. Because so often, like, so much of what Luke does is motivated by, I gotta eat. 
And I'm not saying that's wrong. Or I'm not it, saying not even, or it's either I got to eat or you started this motherfucker. Fine. Let's right. do this. And but this is, this is Luke does the right thing because it needs to be done. Uh, and because like, you know, this is, this is a little girl who is in pain. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's bad enough. It's bad enough. I mean, the question, of course, is can any marriage survive the death of a kid uh, right. intact? And fuck, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then we, we switch this up with some bullshit about that guy Grunge that Luke kind of messed up who are trying to get revenge on him. But. I don't care. Like this is such a distraction from all of all of the really important stuff that's going on with Luke. I do not care that this guy has whiplash or whatever like his fucking problem is. Um but uh Noah and Claire are closing up the clinic. Um he is he is confronted again by Spear, who is just out to make this as terrible for Burstein as he possibly can. Which I get it. Like, I get it, but it's just like just fucking kill him and get on with it. Uh, um I mean So the, Yeah, okay. So go. Uh so Power Man number thirty four is inked by Frank Springer and colored by Don Warfield and then lettered by Irving Watanabe. Um, Luke is attacked by this dude called the Mangler. Uh, the Mangler winds up being able to escape because of the timely intervention of Spear. Um, yeah. Um, there's a brief thing with DW and Chase, and then he checks in with the Simmons family, and he's just like, hey, what if I took Beth to Radio City Music Hall? Like, do you think she'd like that? Do you think that'd help? And Simmons is like, maybe? I mean, she she keeps talking about, like, that it's her fault. You know, like, that's that's all she's really saying is that it's her fault Augie died. And it's just like, fuck, man. And this, this is what, this is what I, I, why I say that the Scorsese thing is so annoying is that you can talk about whether or not something connected for you. And I will freely admit things are connecting for me a lot more these days than they used to. Uh, part of that is the, part of that I think is that I'm, a dad now but also part of it is i think the meds <laughs> if that makes sense like i it generally it genu it genuinely is just like stuff like this is just hitting me like and i'm like i'm i'm getting soft honestly but like well like i like this half page because of the phone call because it's like this doesn't feel uncharacteristic 
Yeah. But it's a side of him that we don't get to see a lot. And him yeah. just being like, okay, man, like, and he's, he's a dude who doesn't know what to do. So yeah. he's just trying something. And even the fact that, you know, little Beth's dad is like, I don't know what to do either, but yeah, sure. Yeah. If you, yeah. I mean, cause he's grasping at straws as well. And he's like, I mean, and I've got, I got a whole lot of other things I need to do also. Cause I'm not, I'm, a, I'm the dad. Right. And yeah. he's like, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I really like that. He's like, that looks like this family has to be gutted right now. Yeah. And I don't know what else to do, but I want to help somehow. And maybe I can give some people some space to talk to each other and maybe yeah. to me. And like, that's as far as plans go, like, it seems like a pretty good plan. Uh, it's just like, and you but don't... it's still like so haphazard that you can tell that he, there's just a lot of emotion in him that he's just like, I don't know if this will help, but it's the best I could do. Yeah. The so, one thing I will say is this is not something you see from comics at this period. No. Where a, a hero actually follows up with the collateral damage. From right. their fights, yeah. um, usually, you know, even when, even when heroes are confronted with the consequences of what they do and the mistakes they make, uh, it's usually for that issue. Mm-hmm. It's not normally like part of a story. Yeah, it's it's not something that proceeds through the following, like. Not at this point in time. It's usually just like, things suck. And it's just like, yeah, they they really do. Next issue, Kazar! Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so there's a, there's a, we, Luke tails Noah. uh, And it winds up that the Mangler fights Luke, which clears the way for Spear to make a play for Noah. Um, Luke is able to knock out the mangler in an alley with some random junkie um, and then chase the spear off. Uh, Luke is like, seriously, what the fuck is going on? Why do these why do these dudes want you dead? Um, And Noah's just like and walks away. Um, Yeah, he shows him his face and he's like. What is this? Yeah. Talk. And Noah just walks away. And he's like, okay, that's helpful. Just, yeah. he's really getting tired of this. Um, and I, I like, I forget at what point uh, they say this, but Luke, Luke is, Luke is basically like, yeah, he, he's not, a, he's not acting like he doesn't know anything. He's acting like he's a dude who deserves whatever he's got coming. Right. And which, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, Luke comes back to his office. This is one of my favorite things about this week. He comes back to his office and there's a dude, there's a, a ter- like a, an accountant from the IRS who's just like, Hey, so you've been running this business for two years and you've never paid any taxes. 
And uh, this this doesn't really go anywhere right this second. But I was when I was looking at stuff for for this week. Uh, it turns out that this whole IRS story results in Luke relocating to Chicago. Oh, which. Luke, baby, Bobby, you know that's still in the IRS's jurisdiction, (laughs) right? Like, Chicago is not a different country where they just can't find... It's not even a question of extradition. Like, (laughs) they can still get you there. (laughs) But, uh... You need to go to Quebec. Um... (laughs) (laughs) All right, so it ends with basically Burstein got told to meet at a specific place. Oh, yeah. So Cage goes back to the storefront clinic, finds the effigy of Burstein with a spear through it, and and the note that's like, meet me at this pier on the Hudson River at this time. Uh, be there, or I guess I'll kill you here. Um, oh, no, he... He'll, he'll he'll kill hurt Claire his friends. And Luke, yeah, and so Burstein shows up, and, the and he last, gets a spear. Yeah, he gets <laughs> like, a spear in the chest. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the end of that. <laughs> uh, Power Man number thirty-five is written by Don McGregor and Marv Wolfman, penciled by Marie Severin, inked by Frank Giacoya, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Karen Mantlow. Um, Luke arrives and finds that the uh, the um, the cops are already there. Burstein's got a spear through his chest, but luckily he's he's already he's just in shock at this point. The man is not all the way dead, which all right. Uh, he's got a collapsed lung at least and yeah. he's losing blood by the pint so yeah. um, he interviews some kids who say they saw what happened and he the kids are like yeah it was it was the guy who shoots spears she's <laughs> about that guy and Cage is like yeah I know uh, they all yeah. go downtown to talk to Quentin and question the mangler and at that point spear freeze mangler which was actually just a lucky break like yeah spear even says on the way out that he was like man uh it's a good thing you were in there i was just going to fuck shit up uh so come on yeah so they they managed to get away, or they they managed to get outside, um, and uh, uh, Luke jumps on Mangler's legs. The line gets cut that they're hanging from between the buildings, and uh, which results in both of them falling. 
Luke lands unharmed into a garbage dumpster. Meanwhile, Mangler is in need of an entirely new pelvis. Um, because Whatever. he lands with his hips on one side of the... on the Yeah. His legs Whatever. are on the outside of the dumpster and the rest of his on the, on the inside. So they, they visit Burstein in the hospital and Burstein is finally willing to tell them what happened. Uh, all of this could have been avoided if Burstein had just said, yeah, uh, here's, even if he didn't necessarily know earlier on, like from the beginning who it was, like he probably had, could have made a list, but, uh, he explains that Mangler and Spears... Do what? No, Luke, I'm sorry. You aren't my only mad scientist, mad science experiment. Yeah. Uh, he explains that their brother Jack was in prison and had an inoperable tumor. And Burstein made him an offer and was just like, look, we're working to uh, do some stuff. This may save your life. Jack agreed. But it turned out that it didn't, and it killed him, and he died in pain. Um, over the course yeah. of months. Yeah. Uh, and... Just, like, that's... Spears' whole thing is, like, that's why he's been dragging this out, is because he wants him to know that he's definitely going to die, but he'll never know when it's coming. But the But the frustrating thing is, like, it's not even that good as a... Like, that was the case before Burstein got involved, really. Like, he was already dying, so you can't blame Burstein for that part. You can blame him for dying in pain, but he's not hes not forcing pain upon him before he dies. Like, abduct Burstein, torture him for months, and then kill him. Okay, that's, that's the type of justice that a case could be made is deserved here. But Jack was already dying before Burstein got there. This whole thing that you're putting him through is a thing that Jack was already going through before Burstein got there. But whatever. So, uh, Dan- the Mrs. Daniels arrives at the police station and gives Cage and Chase the address. Uh, they go after him. This results in a battle across, like, on top of a bus and all this shit. And, like, whatever. Uh, The bus crashes and uh, they both go into the water. Luke comes up and chases, like, uh, the other guy. Get the other guy. And Cage is like, yeah, I know. And, like, goes down and gets spear. And then comes back up. And shoves Chase in. And uh, Chase is like, what was that for? And Cage is like, for not thinking I was going to do that anyway, you dink. Um, So, yeah. Like, uh, in the course of things, we do find out the Simmons family leaves. Yeah. Um, So. Hooray. Uh, All right. Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man Annual number 10. There's a whole lot that goes on here that I feel like we can kind of burn through. 
Uh, Hopefully. Because it's just a whole bunch of faffing about. Uh, this is written by Bill Mantlow, penciled by Gil Kane, inked by Frank Giacoya and Mikey Esposito, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by John Costanza. Um, the uh, Jonah is complaining about um, the fact that the globe is kicking their ass. Um, and Robbie's just like, well, you know, it happens. Like all we can do is, all we can do is focus on putting out a good product. And Joan is like, that's bullshit. And you know, it <laughs> give me Peter Parker. At which point Peter's just like, did somebody say my name? And he's, and Joan is like, where were you? And he's like, I have to sleep occasionally. Like, and, uh, Jonah says, uh, why haven't you brought me any pictures of Spider-Man or literally anything else? And he's like, well, as far as Spider-Man goes, you said you didn't want pictures of Spider-Man stopping purse snatchers and stuff like that because it makes him sympathetic. But all of his all of his normal like big name sparring partners are all in jail. And Jonah's like, that's it. And it's just like, Jonah, don't do it, you stupid fuck. <laughs> so Jonah goes rushing out. Um, and you know what is the worst is that they don't immediately go, oh, God damn it. Because this is the third time he's done something like this. We, yeah. There, there's a variation this time, but and it blows up in his face like it always does. But this is the third time that both Peter and Robbie know about that he's been like, I'm going to go create a super person to fight Spider-Man. And yeah. He's just got that swagger about him when he leaves the office. They should know. Yeah. Uh, Peter changes into Spidey um, and goes in and uh, deals with some guys who have taken hostages because one of them is a rich girl and they're going to hold her for ransom. But the police are outside and things are going south. Um, Spidey goes in, deals with a bunch of the kidnappers uh and the last one left is deacon uh deacon manages to make his way outside with the girl and is like getting ready to is like do anything and i'll cap her uh spider-man webs the girl and pulls her out at which point deacon is shot all to hell he falls into the water and everybody's just like well i guess he's dead Good job, guys. Uh, no, no reason to do any more police work. High fives all around. Let's go home. Yeah. Uh, so then Jameson goes to talk to Harlan Stillwell, brother of Farley Stillwell that turned Mac Gargan into the Scorpion. Uh, and he's like, you need money. I need a, I need a superhero. And Stillwell's like, okay. Uh, and Jameson's like, he needs to be able to keep up against Spider-Man because Spider-Man's a menace. He needs to be defeated. That's what this guy needs to do. So Stillwell's like, cool. Flies. Uh, no sooner does Jameson leave, but Deacon comes inside bleeding all over the place. And he's like, fix me up and make me that thing you were talking about. So Stillwell does. At which point we switch back to Spidey. He swings in, talks to Robbie. 
Jameson is outside and listens in and he's just like, oh, that fucking Spider-Man goes into his office um, and uh, he is, uh, he gets a phone call from Stillwell saying, hey, something's come up. You need to get over here. Jameson gets there. Stillwell is dead and Jameson is taken hostage by the fly. Um, the fly takes him, dumps him off somewhere, swings by the bugle, smashes in through the window and is just like, make sure Spider-Man's at this place at this time. Um, and, uh, they're like, how are we supposed to? And he's like, you'll find a way or your boss will die. And, uh, so, uh, Spider-Man goes to face the human fly. There's all kinds of reporters and police outside. Um, they fight and Spy- Spider-Man has a little bit of an issue. Uh, how much of an issue he actually has kind of depends uh, because like part of it could be viewed as he's just trying to get Deacon to show him where Jameson is. And certainly part of it is that because he he pretends to fall, at which point Deacon's like, you see that Jameson? Ha ha ha. But, uh, yeah, so, but at the same time, one of the cops expresses concern over whether or not Spidey's actually, like, losing or not. So, I guess it depends. But in the end, he defeats the fly, because of course he does. It's the human fucking fly. There there was no doubt about any of this. It's not not really a great fight, because I knew he was going to beat him up and i knew he was gonna save jonah uh the highlight of the fly of the fight though is that spider-man tells the human fly that he talks too much which is (laughs) a true and b hilarious because just the role reversal like that it is it is it is very much Deacon will not the, uh, shut the fuck up. It is very much the pot making anti-kettle remarks. Yes. And, yeah. But whatever. So, uh... But Jameson is saved, but, of course, Jameson is angry about being saved because Jameson is always angry about everything involving Spider-Man. And so on. Um... So, Amazing Spider-Man number 161 is uh, written by Len Wein, penciled by Ross Andrew, inked by Matt Cusposito, colored by Glynis Wein, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, this this issue, these issues I'm happy about because uh, we haven't been getting a lot of X-Men since it came back. Yeah. And uh, not only is there some X-Men here, but it's my favorite X-Men, Nightcrawler. Um Spider-Man, uh, is that right? Did I? Shit. Well, I'm looking at the issue. Uh, Nightcrawler is reading a paper in the danger room, and he... (laughs) We haven't really figured out Wolverine's uh, characterization yet, and he manages to just be asshole Wolverine. Like, that's where we're, we're still very planted in just an asshole. Um, and... He's like, what you reading, misfit? And he grabs the paper and rips it up, and he's a dick. And uh, 
Nightcrawler's like, you're a dick. Let's fight. And Colossus gets in between the two of them and is like, you know what? Everybody cool off. And yeah. Nightcrawler's like, I gotta go anyway. I got a thing. And he leaves. Mm-hmm. Presumably for New York. Cut to Mary Jane and Peter at Coney Island with Harry and somebody until uh, they're on a roller coaster. I think the roller coaster bit is funny. It's it's not like really funny, but it's like because he's acting. He's scared. pretending to be so terrified. Yeah. And uh, Mary Jane's like, come on, you wimp. Let's go. It, it's, it's fine. And he's like, ah, not again. I don't need that. And then they go get a hot dog. And as they're eating. Uh, I, I love that they recreate the signage outside of Nathan's, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, it's, <laughs> I love the idea that you can be standing out front and just be like, where is Nathan's? I have no idea. Yeah. Like this place is so proud to announce it's Nathan's. We get it guys. You're fucking Nathan's. Cool it. <laughs> um, so as they're eating, there's an assassination. Uh, somebody gets shot on the roller coaster and Peter takes off to go ostensibly be Peter. Like, to go do work for the Bugle. Which... Yeah. We'll get back to. Uh, He turns it... He changes into Spider-Man and goes after... Or changes... But he ducks into an alley and changes. Skip to Nightcrawler, who's like lurking underneath the... Some buildings and some construction zone area... Happens to see the sniper. Jumps up after him, but he's already gone. The gun fell to the sidewalk below, so he goes down to wrap it up as evidence. And Spider-Man's like, oh, you must be the shooter. And kicks him in the face. They have a fight. (sighs) Yeah. Nightcrawler gets... They have a they have a fight, but Nightcrawler eventually just gets away by teleporting. Nightcrawler um, forgets that he has powers for most of this issue. I I feel like they kind of just kept it under their hat. Uh, I th- I think the idea here is that this may be someone's first exposure to sure. the all new X Men, and so they're kind of just being coy about it. Mm-hmm. But so he teleports away at the end of it, and Spider Man is forced to flee with, when the police show up. We switch to, um, we switch to, this this was my bad. Spider-Man and Robbie. Jameson finds Spider-Man in the building talking to Robbie. Yeah, I fucked up. Uh, And and rushes back to his office. You know, there have been a couple of shootings and it looks like the Punisher. Yeah. Spider-Man's like, all right, that doesn't really work though. I mean, unless he's completely lost it in which case that's real bad uh i gotta go so he leaves we switch to uh jameson who's like fuck can't believe robbie's been lying to me and hanging out with spider-man on his downtime in my office asshole but he's like it doesn't matter i finally got some good intel i'm gonna i'm gonna get that son of a bitch and we go back to Jameson goes back to his office, pulls out a manila envelope, 
see and shows the audience some pictures of Spider-Man disposing of a body. Yeah, um, which is like wow, hard callback, but it, well, well, actually, it, was, it probably hasn't been because I guess in terms of sto- of terms of Spider-Man, it's only been like five or six issues ago. Well, and Jameson got the photos last last actual issue. Oh, right. Amazing Spider-Man 160. Okay. He received the photos in an unmarked envelope. Uh, so, yeah. So, the Punisher, meanwhile, is trying to figure out who's been making it look like he's gone off the deep end even more. Uh, Spider-Man is looking for Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's looking for Spider-Man uh, because he saw that Spider-Man had a camera set up. So, he yanks out the um the film because the x-men the only x-men are still supposed to be a secret mm-hmm. um and so they have they have a fight and nightcrawler's just like it's not like that i will even pay you back for the film you know and everything but uh as they're fighting they're interrupted by the punisher who's just like I got to kill one of these motherfuckers. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, So that brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number 162, which is lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, This is this. The short version is they have their big all over the place. Knockdown. Um, Spider-Man manages to convince Punisher that he's not the murderer. Punisher manages to convince Spider-Man that he's not the murderer. And also that Nightcrawler isn't it. So now they're back to essentially square one. Which means Punisher needs to go do war journaling things. Yeah. Um, So this meanwhile, this whole thing, it's... It's so the prototypical, like, heroes fight because blah. But, yeah, it's a three-way, it's a threesome uh, version of that. And it's slightly annoying. Um, But the end result of all of this is that Peter makes a deal with the Punisher to meet back up with him in order to try and find the sniper. Uh, then he has a brief thing. Ah, oh, Jesus. Um, this whole thing with Mary Jane, just, yeah. you love her, tell her you're Spider-Man. It's that simple. I get why you're keeping it from Aunt May in regards to, oh, she would drop dead. She wouldn't, but okay. Uh, but like, tell Mary Jane for fuck's sake. Um, it's just going to make, because Mary Jane's yanking him around like he deserves to be yanked because he's not telling her the truth but like he's like she's like i'm hanging out with flash Mm -mm -mm. you're not the only fish in the sea and he's like god damn it okay uh yeah and then jameson meets with dr marla madison and he's like so you're always looking for new challenges huh and she's like yeah and he's like, how about you help me destroy me, help me destroy Spider-Man? And she's like, all right. <laughs> uh, so then Spider-Man meets up with Punisher and uh, there's a whole thing. Uh, 
Spider-Man gets taken out and strung up. Um, Nightcrawler is crawling, is creeping around and takes out a dude and dresses up in his uh, trench coat and fedora. Uh, there you go. And then, yeah, uh, one of one of the henchmen is like scanning for Punisher and finds him. Punisher, uh, get, for his part... We do get the reveal that it's Jigsaw. Right. Uh, in his first for realsies appearance. I mean, right. technically yeah. he appeared in the Shadows last issue, but yeah. this is his first for real appearance. Um, he is... Uh, he... The Punisher, to his credit, to be fair... <laughs> um, sorry, I've been watching a lot of Letter Kenny. Where they are constantly like, to be fair. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so Jigsaw, he had a run in with the Punisher at one point and got thrown through a window and now his face is all fucked up. He's a big deal if you didn't know. Yeah. But they met, they work together and they take him the fuck out. Um, and... Uh, Nightcrawler and Punisher both just fucking disappear. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. And uh, <laughs> he takes off. So, yeah. Um, like I said, I like... Uh, I like that Nightcrawler is in here because I'm really... I'm dying without some fucking X-Men here. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. You've stuck with us this far. <laughs> Find out what we think is good. Number 5. Three annuals, though, I mean. Three annuals, yeah. that was that was rough. I don't always... I apologize. I don't always pay attention when I'm creating the list. To whether or not it's an annual or, a, you know, what yeah. have you. So I'm just like, do, 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 14 or 15 books. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, uh, number five, Vance Astro's complete dis- disregard for ship security. Uh, <laughs> idiot. Number four, uh, strange convincing Nebulon that we're too shitty to save because big mood. Uh, number three, Odin and Zeus's backroom dealings to like sate each side. Yeah. Like that is very, very, very Odin and Zeus. Like that's yeah. like the way that they would handle this would just make everybody thought they won go home. Yeah, some mm-hmm. sides are some both sides are gonna lose some folks, but in the end we'll all be okay. I don't even know, did they actually lose some folks, or was the, even that part of the illusion? Oh, the Valkyries showed up, so... Well, yeah, but I mean, the Valkyries technically have to go wherever Odin says, right? I like, so. Um, so, uh, all I'm saying is, they could have, they could have been, <laughs> they could have been sitting there on that plane, wherever they were, and just, like, stroking out for a minute, <laughs> like... And none of it happened. Um, Number two. uh, Wait a minute. I'm Valkyrie. Fuck this. Because 
I just love Val so much mm-hmm. most of the time. And it was really good to like see her get eight or nine hours worth of sleep and come back to herself and be like, this is dumb. Bye. Uh, I liked that a lot. Um, and then number one with a bullet is uh, Luke trying to keep an eye on little Beth because yeah. that was, we didn't get a lot of character work this week from anybody, but that was just really good stuff. Um, yeah. Even if it doesn't end up going anywhere because they leave, uh, I thought it was, even if he doesn't get to act on it, at least he was trying and the book took the time to show us that he was trying. Like, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's me. Uh, my number five, <laughs> this isn't technically this week, but it, the seeds of it were sown this week and that's Luke Chicago is still part of the United States, <laughs> man. Uh, number four is Vans and Nikki fucking yeah because uh, i mean maybe that'll mellow vance the fuck out like he has been so insufferable in these issues and maybe maybe i realize he's probably really backed up in that suit yeah. i realize like he has no outlet for that so maybe maybe that'll do it <laughs> we can only hope uh, number three is, uh, the Thor annual. Number two is Nightcrawler in Amazing Spider-Man. Cause I'm just, uh, they don't, they still get things. They refer to his feet as claw-like and it's like, they're prehensile, but they're not claws, bro. Like, it's just, they're, they're like, they're big blue floppy toes. It's fine. They're getting a uh, lot of like. There's a lot of X-Men growing pains all over the place right now. Yeah. The only one who is, like, pretty well nailed down or f- feels feels the same way that he feels later on is Colossus. Because it's just like, yeah, that's what he'd do. Is get between the two of them and be like, chill the hell out. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, number one is Luke trying to help Beth. Because that was some really great... Uh, like you said, that's some great character stuff and I want more of that. Yeah. Please yeah. give me something like, yeah. Uh, so next week we've got a whole, we were talking about, you know, contrivance in Marvel two and one and Marvel team up, uh, whole lot of contrivance next week. Cause, uh, most of it's going to be two and one or team up, uh, and then incredible Hulk and fantastic four. Uh, so Join us for that, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us both individually individually, and collectively at, at Watcher's Guide MU. Uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. And any time now, uh, as soon as I'm able to actually focus... We will be coming out with our new show, How Marvelous, with Mickey Lexa. Uh, So be on the lookout for that, and uh, have a marvelous week. Bye.